three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Stoned Apes Podcast. And holy shit, do we have an episode for you today. I have a longtime friend that has came in all the way from Montana. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And he goes by the name of Mike. And we have all the motherfuckers here today, don't we? Holy shit, even the captain, the side bitch is in tow. No, crazy. It's going to be a hell of an orgy after this. <laughs> it's going to be a good time. So, Mike, you come in, uh-huh. you see us from Montana. Yeah. What, what are you doing in Missouri? Um, I live in western Missouri half the year. I live in Montana the other half of the year. Because it's fucking cold? <clears throat> no, I live in Montana during the winter. That's ridiculous. So, uh, my, <clears throat> my friend has some kids and his wife just... Uh, picked up and left one day and so he's got a lion's share of work and no hands so i don't have anything going on and i like being in montana anyway so during the winter when he needs the most help i can be up there i spend about six months this time it was seven months and some change and then i come down to missouri and i burn the whole summer working on my property Fair. so it's like I can't. You got work. like a homestead out there. I do, yeah. So my my mom bought some property and she let me build a house on the back lot there, and so I built a little tiny home out there, and we raise uh, sheep and chickens and we got a little garden and a greenhouse. And well, you were sitting with two homesteaders. It's nice. Cool. Dabble, I guess. My and our last podcast. podcast. I'm figuring it out. Our yeah. last yeah. podcast. My whole flock smoke just got waxed. Who is a homesteader? Yeah, like yeah. he's like a homesteading pro though. Okay, he's yeah, like I'm, a different level. I'm green behind the ears for sure. We're figuring it all out, and there's a lot of stuff like I'm definitely no expert well, on. Well, we're gonna have smoke back, and we're gonna do a homesteading episode because he said that his CO wants to be a part of that. So we're gonna have to get that one going. Yeah, it's definitely a a learning experience every day. Oh yeah, you make a million mistakes. Mm-hmm. You just make one less every day, and then eventually you don't die that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, until you die. That's, yeah, that's the whole until you <laughs> until yeah, you that's die, the whole world. Yeah. I didn't die today. Yeah. The animals lived good. Yeah, we lost a llama last year. We uh, or yeah. <laughs> a llama. <laughs> it got so hot, like it melted it. It co- cooked him. Got heat stroke, and so that was pretty bummy. You hate yeah. to you hate to see those. Mm-hmm. And it was like a really easy fix. We def- totally avoidable. Mm-hmm. But you know, we just yeah. we're, oh man, never thought of that. We just thought llamas were just like everything else, and now he's llama paste. Yeah. Yeah, uh, did you make a little like grave for it? No, no. Uh, I think did we. Uh, no, can they, you we, eat llama? Threw it in the compost. You can. <laughs> yeah, can. no, can? we gave them away. They uh, they use them to feed dogs or something. We live in an area. So I live in like western Missouri, right above Springfield, out in the sticks there. Mm. By uh, I think I'm like two hours and some change north of Branson. Okay. And so uh, there's a really large homesteading and off-gridding and prepper community there. And so we have lots of friends in the area who help with things like that. Like, yeah, I'd love to take that llama off your hands because, you know, we can just use it for dog food. And he you throws know, it in the grinder and then he saves some money on dog food. You know where Shofar Mountain is? Um, Shofar, I don't. No. <laughs> it's down that way. <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, you know, Stockton Lake is... Like I, I'm, I'm pretty close to Stockton Lake. Do you heard Pastor Joe Fox? <clears throat> Pastor Joe Fox. Joe Fox. Uh-uh. Viking well, now that I know you're, you're out Viking there, we're gonna have to come out and make a trip. It's a YouTube channel. Oh, uh, no. Retired Special Forces guys. He's down that way. Mm, okay. We're gonna make a forerunner trip out of this. I'm gonna come see you. For sure, yeah. For come sure. out there and do some camping. Yeah, especially Mon- in Montana. Well, uh, Hell yeah. so we're in in Montana. I'm up in the Whitefish. You area. a landowner up there? No, God no. Does your landowner have permits? Uh, 
I don't know. I find Let's out. Let's talk about this. Tags. Yeah. So uh, my <laughs> yeah my friend up there he uh, he loves that's the reason he lives there is to big game hunt and fish and live a wild life. You know. Do you know what the, the so, so Smoke said in Mississippi? The rules in Mississippi are you don't even if you're out of state as long as the landowner has tags you can hunt on. No, private not property. in Montana. Not in Montana. Can I do that in Montana? Um, that's no. bullshit. Montana <clears throat> fix that. It's like uh, well. You know, I'm really not an expert on this. I shouldn't say. Is there a lot of BLM land in Montana? <clears throat> there yeah. is, yeah. Right. There is. Like, that's it's, all but state. The, this is the, the thing, though. Like on the on the east side that's of Montana, right. so like Montana is separated by that mountain range, the Rockies there, and on the west side of it is good Montana, and on the east side of it is garbage Montana. It's just extra North Dakota. It's North Dakota too. And so, like, sure, you can go out there and find BLM land, and there's probably critters out there and stuff, but it's a miserable, awful country, and nobody wants to be there, right. you know? So, <laughs> like, in the part of Montana where everybody wants to be, that's why everyone, like, it's why land prices are so high, it's why vehicles are so high, it's why yeah, it's everything really is so high up there. It's because everyone wants to be there, and it's because every year they're shooting gigantic elk, it's like and North they're Idaho. shooting big bears. Yeah, North, North Idaho, honestly, should have just been Montana. Yep. I feel like they stole that from montana and i'll never forgive them i was yeah. looking up there in parts of montana instead of missouri but i just couldn't find what i wanted for the money yeah it's so expensive it's yeah. insane it's if you're not born into it like if you didn't inherit a hundred thousand acres from granddad i don't know how anyone makes it up there or unless you like did the california thing if your because last they, name's not because done, they retire yeah. rich and yeah. they go up there exactly, and then they yeah. buy or they're they you know you see that a lot here people live in other areas sure. and they the property values east coast west coast right yeah um when you were working for me we had that one doctor right he sold that very average home for yeah, like three yeah. million dollars for sure I'm, I'm with this doctor and doing his taxes and he's telling me about this house and he's like yeah we sold it for 3.2 million and i'm thinking oh my god he shows me a picture of it it was smaller than this place yeah well like uh, and i was like holy shit <laughs> the californians have just taken over like yep. they when they all abandoned Migration. ship yeah when they abandoned ship they went to whitefish area and it's always been like a it's been like the California hideaway forever. I mean, they've always known it's been there because they like to go use a ski mountain every winter. Johnny Depp has a house there. You see all these rich people driving around, Teslas and Bugattis and everything. But then uh, when you have, uh, when all this stuff happened in 2020 and 2021, they fled they you know abandoned ship and they went to montana and so the montanans hate them colorado's like all, got the same yeah. problem and all Texas the sticks and nevada and utah yeah. and nevada I yeah. colorado is places. so pissed yeah well so yeah. pissed montana they just have stickers like half of them have stickers in the back of the glass say like mm. fuck off go home no yep. californians don't kill ca yeah, don't when, california or yeah. montana the, yeah they, no one will tell you like when you mm -hmm. go up there like i worked at uh, cabela's up there for a little while when you talk to somebody you're like oh how was everything where are you from all that kind of stuff you know and they'll go oh from yeah. uh, when, uh, when we were in Colorado last, um, they have a Colorado native movement there. Yeah. And so you'll see a lot of people walking around with the bumper stickers and they'll say Colorado native. And oh, they're so pissed about it. Yeah. They have a whole big thing out there. Because <clears throat> it's increased crime, yeah. it's dropped property values, yeah. it's caused all kinds of like government and stuff. And the opposite though, like is it yeah. destroys property values some places, but then in other places, like imagine you leave your you leave your piss hole trailer in uh san francisco and you sell it for nine million dollars because it had a parking yep. space where you can live anywhere in the country at any level with any house it's like my parents were they, it's not uh, fair they moved yeah here from it's windsor colorado uh, i moved them probably two or three years ago now and uh when they bought their home i think it was 150,000. they sold it for half a million because yeah. that whole area is blowing up from yeah there. now next year um we've already decided our trip for next year we haven't been uh northwest yet 
Mm. We have basically been Colorado, Utah down. Sure. And uh, you guys so, do hunting trips? Is that what this is? No, 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 no. Camping. Trip? Okay. Yeah, we we overland. Sure. So it's like just dispersed camping. We okay. go out there and just go get lost in the woods and sure. shit and do four wheeling or whatever. But um, we are going to do our northwest trip next year. We're going to take an entire month and we're going to go north and we're going to go, you know, Montana up sure. into Oregon and all that stuff. So when we go through Montana, where are some places that we need to check out? Like, um, what, what places can we not miss? Uh, I think avoid almost all of eastern Montana, east of the Rockies. I don't know if there's anything really there. I mean, if you've if you've seen it once, you've seen it. So, like, if you've been to North Dakota or even parts yeah. of South Dakota where it's just an endless big field, yeah. like, then that's it. And I think it's cool to see once. Uh, the first time I seen it, we were in the RV trip mm. in 2012, and uh, that was really fun. Cause I want to talk about that later. We were just bums, you know, and, like, we'd never seen anything at the time. It was literally like having your eyes open for the first time. And so it was cool. Now when I drive through there it's a slut i hate it Ugh, i just can't wait to be through this part of the country and guys. yeah and it's like even that way in eastern washington and eastern oregon like yep. nobody wants everyone's like oh oregon's such a beautiful state well a slice state. of it is a little a couple feet of it is in my opinion <laughs> the rest of it's just extra nobody wants to talk about it everything you know? near the puget sound is pretty great yeah uh, once you get off the coast though yeah, well, I lived I, in Oregon. My my family had a homestead in the Cascade Mountains in sure. Oregon, um, and then I was stationed at Fort Lewis for three years. So I know all that area sure. incredibly well. And I've only been there on road trips. I, I've never lived there. Although I went to uh, Portland area in Crescent City this Jan this March uh, to go see the redwoods. So let's back up, sure, because we're getting into some stuff that I think the audience needs some background information okay. on. All right. So I'm going to tell a story about how we met. Sure. I've told it before on the podcast, but I'm going to tell it again because okay. it's one of my favorite. So here I am. I'm sitting in my office. It's the middle of the summer. I look up and who walks through my door but this guy, right? He is wearing a yellow button-up shirt, long sleeve. It's the middle of the summer, all right? He's got black suspenders on, black slacks, dress shoes, handlebar mustache, barber's haircut, okay? <laughs> the most interesting dude. He looked like he came out of a photo shoot. Did he have a bow tie? No, no, but he did no. wear one later. We will talk about that. <laughs> that was definitely part of the entourage, right? Yeah, yeah. The ensemble was complete. Uh, and um, so as soon as I look at the guy, I'm thinking, I will, what the fuck is his story, right? Yeah. And so and then uh, I, I asked him, I was like, hey, well, you know, welcome to HRL Block or whatever. What's going on? And he goes, uh, he's like, oh, I'm looking for a job. And immediately I'm like, you're hired. Like, done. <laughs> I already know I'm going to hire you just because I want to get to know you, you know? And then uh, he tells me this story. He says, well, I'm just back from Key West. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, what the hell are you doing in Missouri? He's like, well, I'm from Missouri. And I said, well, then how the hell did you get to Key West? And he's like, well, I hitchhiked there. And I was like, w w stop. <laughs> like, yeah. now we have a story, right? So Mike tells me the story of how him and his best friend decided that they were just going to go hitchhike to Florida. And I'm going to let him tell the more details on this, right? But what an inspirational thing that was to me, because up until this moment in my life, I'd never previously considered things like that. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm, I, you, we get mental modeled by the environments that we live in, right? And when you mm -hmm. think of moving, you think, well, I got to go get a job and yeah. I got to buy a house and I got to do all this stuff. Sure. And then all of a sudden, I'm, tr I'm, I'm railroaded by this guy who goes, yeah, I just put a backpack on my back and then I walked and then I just slept in a lawn until I found a job. And I was we like, figured it out, yeah. what the yeah. fuck? And then I went, anything is possible. Yeah. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Refugees do it all the time. And it was, <laughs> it was, it was for me yeah. one of the most liberating moments of my life. And I think the reason why I'm such a, 
uh, I have so much hunger now for experience and travel yeah. is because of this guy. Mm. This guy is the one that lit that mm. in my life that showed me like it's possible. Like you don't just have to talk about it. You can just go yeah, you do, can it. Just do it. Yeah. You know? So <clears throat> that's the story from my end, but I'm going to let sure. you tell it, sir. Well, like it, <clears throat> it goes a little bit before that too. So we didn't hitchhike, uh, I guess, for fun like it wasn't originally it wasn't just a fun thing we had uh, i'd made a million bad decisions in my life and i didn't really have a support structure my family had become fractured you know and so at the time i was homeless anyway we were just i was couch surfing until i'd burn that bridge they're sick of seeing me and then i'd couch surf the next guy and just figuring it out and at one time i lived with my friend's mom and her trailer and then he moved out so it was just me and his puerto rican mom and then i was like i can't do this anymore and i was in college i was about to finish college at the time and things were just really tough all around like uh i was was losing it uh i was having a lot of trouble with my church and that was a big part of my life at the time i was having a lot of trouble at work and at college and and then uh eventually it all just collapsed i ended up going to jail a couple times and uh my family completely collapsed we all split and didn't talk to each other for a little while my mom for about 10 years my sisters for a couple years and uh then i was like well guess that's it you know, and I was stuck in Park Hills, Missouri at the time, which is just a, it's a great place to leave. We'll say that. <laughs> and uh, we well were. Well said, sir. Yeah. Well and, said. Uh, For the win. Yeah. So we were, uh, me and my friend there, we both like, uh, I'm not from Missouri, from Missouri. I was born in Illinois, actually, at the time. We'd lived all over the Midwest. Before I was even five, we'd lived in like four or five states. And so I wasn't, uh, I was so used to this, the non-permanence of it. You, when the lease is up, you get a new place. I'd never owned a home. I'd never thought I ever would. Uh, most of my vehicles were $200 repos. You know, so like at the time, there's no such thing as permanence. Everything, nothing lasts forever. And so at the time, we had been watching this video on YouTube. This is what inspired us. Or on, uh, I guess it was early Netflix. I can't remember. But anyway, it was called Thumbs Up America. And these two guys, I think his name's Stephen Cho and his cousin or something. And they hitchhike from... I forget, California uh, California to Alaska or something. Anyway, we watched it. We loved the show. And there's some parts I still don't believe are uh, authentic, perfectly authentic. But more or less, it was enough to put the, the idea in my head that we can just go. And the worst that's going to happen is we die. And it's better for us to die. This is my thought process at the time. You know, I thought I would rather die hitchhiking to Florida getting you know everyone's like well you're gonna get killed you're gonna get raped they're gonna find you you're gonna get in some trucker's car we're never gonna see you again they're gonna eat you everything you're gonna kill by a gator you're gonna get frostbite you're gonna get whatever and you know i thought well i'd rather die i'd rather die trying to do this um on the side of the road somewhere in some stranger's car i'd rather die that way than spend like 15 more minutes in park hills i'm just done with it there's nothing for me here and luckily uh, six days later, we ended up in sunny, beautiful Key West, Florida. And, uh, only six days, not too bad. Only six days, yeah. So the first day we, I had court that day. So Made I, pace. Yeah, I, I finished my, uh, my last thing in Missouri, my last like tie. I had to go to court and solve all that shit from when I went to jail. And so I, uh, I finished my court stuff, paid everything, signed that last thing, gave him my last $300, and I had my car scrapped a couple days. It had already broken down. It just kept costing me so much money to keep it running, so I finally just had it scrapped. I took the $150 from the car and bought a book bag, a pocket knife, two white tees, and then some deodorant. I figured, you know what? I can look really clean. I can smell really good. Those are the things I can control. Everything else is 
you know, it's out there. It's up to you, Lord. And so uh, we took off like that, and uh, we made it to the first day. We made it from Farmington Courthouse Steps to uh, Sykeston, Missouri, and we got maybe 11 or 12 rides. A lot of soccer moms slammed us in the back with their kids and everything. Oh, and three of us went. So me and uh, originally me and my friend decided we would go and then as we're leaving another friend was like i'm going too and we're like no you're not and he's like yes i am i already quit my job i'm going i'm like okay the more the merrier so now there's three of us we take off which hitchhiking alone i think is pretty scary hitchhiking with two people i think is probably ideal hitchhiking with three people is bizarre but i think i have no frame of reference i've never done anything else so i feel like it worked also like uh somebody's always the third wheel so it was just six days of me getting roasted constantly and like every (laughs) once in a while i could turn it around on one of them but it was mostly just me eating shit for six days it was it was hard so on top of being homeless on top of being churchless on top of having no family these two best friends of mine are just roasting my balls off every day and it's funny but, not but it's not funny. <laughs> I mean, look, looking back now, yeah, looking back now, I'm, I love this story. I love it. But at the time, I was just like, oh, my God, I'm killing these two. I'm killing them. First chance I get. And so uh, the, the one of my favorite parts of the story, the first night we made it to Sykeston, and uh, we didn't know what to do. The sun's going down. And so we climbed on top of a strip mall. We used their dumpster in the back there, their compactor, and we climbed up on top of the roof, and we threw our sleeping bags on. And we'd gotten, like, uh, Amazon this pre-Amazon, I'm sorry. We got in some online sleep, buy one, get one sleeping bags with the mummy face. So like only your nose and mouth is sticking out. And that night frosted. So it dropped below, I think it was like 21 degrees or something that night. And so Sean, who showed up the last minute, he didn't buy a sleeping bag or nothing. He just grabbed his little Spider-Man youth sleeping bag, nipple height sleeping bag that he found. And he's like, that'll do. We're going to make it. And he goes too. And that next morning we wake up and my mouth is frosted. And I look over and uh, Brett's mouth is frosted. And I look over and Sean's in the middle. Hey, you guys, you I get the I get the good scene back tonight, <laughs> and we died laughing. We roasted until the sun came up. It was so funny. But anyway, then that day we uh, we went over to the what is it Drury Drury Inn or something, pretended to be um, guests, and then uh, ate their breakfast buffet. And I made a plate. <laughs> I made a plate to take home for Sean. You know, Sean had to wait to watch our stuff because if we walked him with backpacks, it would give it away. So Sean waited with the stuff. We walked across the street, and we get in there, and I was like, Oh, I want a waffle so bad. And Brett's like, don't get a waffle. And I'm like, I got to. And I go over there and I break the waffle machine. It makes so much noise. Cast iron hits the ground, sprays waffle uh, juice everywhere. Everyone's looking at us. And he's like, you did it. You ruined it. We're done. And the lady comes over and helps me make waffles. <laughs> makes me like six waffles. Enjoy your stay. I said, I will. Thank you so much. And then uh, we get out of there and we leave the, I bring the plate back and we get behind uh, McDonald's and steal some cardboard. We make three signs, one for each of us. And, uh, Sean's first, his says we, and then Brett's second says cup, and then I'm third, and it says balls. <laughs> and we sat there on the side of the highway like that. <laughs> and we gave them the laugh of their life, man. People drive by, families, and the guy's dying laughing, and his wife's like, shut up, honey, man. It's not funny, you know? And uh, we, we walked down the road from Sykeston until almost the border. I don't remember. 
I'm not sure how long we walked, maybe five or six miles down there. We walked, walked a long way, just waiting and waiting. Finally, we're like, all right, the joke's over. It's 110 degrees. We're done with this. Threw the signs underneath the bridge there and immediately threw the signs and got someone pulled over and, and picked us up, trucker. And he took us all the way to Jackson, So we cut balls is not a good hitchhiking no, message. No, but it's a good story. <laughs> good comedy. <laughs> no, so it was fun. But anyway, so... Long story short, I think we got like uh, we got a ride to Jackson. We got it from a trucker. We got a ride from Jackson to Ocala, and then that trucker, uh, two truckers. So that trucker broke down in Pensacola, and we had to wait and pretend that we weren't with him until they fixed his truck or replaced it or something. We got back in the truck and went to Ocala. We met uh, in Ocala. We met our first police resistance or uh, obstacle, we'll call it, and so we had to overcome that. He found us. It's illegal to hitchhike on the turnpike. And he found us and he was like, you can't, you're not hitchhiking, are you? And we're like, no. And I, in my head, I'm at this time I was really naive. I had no life experience, you know? So I'm like, yeah, we are. And they're like, shut up, shut up. And he's like, you're not hitchhiking, are you? I was like, yeah. And they're like, no, no, uh, we're camping. And I was like, yeah, camping. That's what we're doing. <laughs> and he's like, that's what I thought you're doing, you know? And he pulls around and just sits there and looks right at the on-ramp. So we're screwed. You know, how do we do this? And so he kind of like pulled into this little back lot and there's a curb in front of him. So we'd have to back up and come around and then go back on the road and then cross lines of traffic and then come up if he's going to get us. I figure we've got about 30 seconds, 40 seconds. So we walk over like we're going to go into the woods and we look back at him and he's looking at us and we kind of nod and he starts his car and we... And we sprint up the on-ramp as fast as we could. I, I don't know what we thought, like, we had anywhere to be. We're still <laughs> waiting on someone to pick us up. We just waited to know what we're doing. So we sprint up there, and sure enough, this dude pulls over and almost hits us. And he's a thousand-year-old gay guy from uh, Orlando. And he's like, jump in! And so we jump in his van literally while it's moving almost. And the cop can't get out in time, and we take <laughs> off. And he's like, I can take you to Orlando. So we're like, hell yeah. So we get to Orlando. and Wait, uh, wait. What did you yeah. have to do for that ride? Well, did you <laughs> did you did you actually <laughs> cut balls did for that one? Because you did say gay. Now it gets better. This Uh-oh. is where it, now we oh, didn't know he's gay at the time. We didn't know he's gay at the time. Oh, I think it, wa- it wasn't like a obvious. He's thing. a he's kind of a queen, but at this time in my life, I had no gaydar yet because like my life experience was so narrow, my worldview was so narrow. Like only being. Growing up in the Bible Belt, I'd only seen the ocean just one or two times. Maybe I went, to, drove to Gulf Shores overnight. Like we both got off work at ten. We're like, hey, eleven hours to Gulf Shores. So we got in the car, had sixty bucks. We went down there, bring our swimming trunks, and then we got down there, played on the beach for a couple hours, and got back in the car to make it home for work. And so like I don't know much at this point in my life. I've never seen much, and I'm just like thirsty for something else. You know that there's got to be more to it than just working at Walmart, coming home, and in a shitty little empty apartment and then going back to work, you know, there's gotta be more to it. And so, uh, at this time we, we end up in Orlando and the guy it's nighttime, it's 10 o'clock at night. And the guy says, uh, uh, you can, I'll drop you off outside Disney world if you want. He's like, but I don't know how easy it's going to be getting rides at night. He's like, or you can stay at my house. And so we all, this is what we do every time somebody pulls over. We all, you know, get in the football huddle and we go, okay, can we kill him? If anything happens, then we go, yeah, I think we can kill him. Okay. And then we go, yeah, we'll take the deal. And that's the whole thing, you know? And uh, everybody who picks up are like, all right, you think we can kill him? That's yeah, I think we can kill solid him. solid yeah. decision making. I think so, yeah. So, and then uh, it worked out pretty well, you know? And so we get to his house and he, uh, first he takes us to eat and brings us, buys us like steak dinner, which was pretty yeah, cool. So we, yeah. So 
<clears throat> so I should say, uh, Sean, who's with us, Sean is like super muscle guy. He's built like a Greek god. He's real like model-esque. He's got super strong features. Everyone I know thinks he's like the most beautiful person. Like they just think he's so beautiful. And I've been his ugly friend for years. <laughs> like I don't think I'm ugly, but like in context next to him, I'm like a four. And so I, you know, I don't like hanging out with him a lot because you feel super shitty about yourself everywhere you go. <laughs> like he just, yeah. So anyway, at this time too, this was like, he was at his peak at, in his life at this time too. So this gay guy loves him. Oh my gosh. She just shooting eyes at him the whole time. And uh, we're dying. We're like, oh, you, you're going to have to do it. That's you. You're going to have to do it. You're going to do it. You know, we're dying. You're the one who has to cup the balls. Yeah, we're, like, oh, oh. we're just having a great time with it. And he's like, shut up, shut up. You know, and we're like, no, it's you. And then we're dying. So anyway, we go. Uh, <clears throat> he's like, you stay the night. He's like, I'll make you a deal. Uh, he's like, stay the night. I'll take you there tomorrow. He's like, or if you want, uh, you stay one more day. I've got a ton of yard work and stuff I have to do. And I can't do it because I'm old. My partner died. And that's where we find out he's gay. He says, you know, he said it out loud. So uh, we talk. All right. Can we still kill this guy? Yeah. And he's like, and I'll pay you $20, $20 an hour. So we have no money. We haven't had a dollar this whole trip. Brett blew our only $3 at McDonald's the first day on himself. And so <laughs> uh, now we're like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea if we can get a full day's of work 20 bucks an hour you know and probably another food so uh we ended up like doing his yard work we probably took two hours there's with three of us you know ran the lawnmower ran the weed whacker watered the plants and stuff like that and then uh he took us to uh or no yeah that night he made his own ice cream he all made ice cream for us and uh he put almonds on it we don't like almonds but brett hates almonds so finally we get i uh, get brett back you know so i'm like sean put all the almonds in brett's thing while he's in the bathroom so we, we tell the guy who's sitting right across from us watching us go <laughs> yeah you know and we're like yeah we we don't really like almonds you know no offense or anything we really appreciate what you did but brett loves almonds oh there's favorite thing and so we put all these almonds until his thing is just cake that high you can't see the ice cream and uh we all sit down and brett comes back and he goes oh almonds <laughs> and the guy's like yeah you, you like them right and he's like yeah i do and we're like yeah you do yeah you do and then we're sitting there and then the, the guy looks over at looks over at sean he's like almonds are an aphrodisiac and we're like oh now me and sean are on brett oh it's you it's gonna be you oh we're dying the whole entire time and uh we didn't sleep one minute that entire night all we did all night all three of us sleeping in the bed shoulder to shoulder to shoulder elbowing constantly farting and fighting the whole time laughing about the whole just the absurdity of the trip you know uh, so anyway, the next day takes us to Disney World. We're right there at like that big intersection. It's like Disney World, Sea World, I don't know, all the theme Universal or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, we sat there for maybe two hours. Got really hot, and uh, we met uh, two. What are they? Venezuelans, two Venezuelans who live on Miami Beach. They took us to their house. We stayed there for two nights, party with the desert people, and then we went to. We they dropped us off in Homestead or something. Florida City. We went from Florida City to Homestead, whatever the southern one is, Florida City or Homestead. We ended up there, and uh, we're like, "Hey, it's getting dark. What do we do now?" And we're like, uh, "At a bus stop, and a bus pulls up, and it says Key West on the thing." We're like, "Dude, 
let's just use the money we just made and we're done. We're, we, have, we already made it. So we hop on the bus. The guy doesn't take any of our money. He, we just get on, like, we try to give money and he just waves us on. We sit down in the back and, like, seven hours later, we're in Key West. And it's the longest, most painful bus ride ever. It's so uncomfortable. The bright ass lights. You can't sleep for a minute. You're just, uh, uh, and every time you try to fall asleep, somebody, like, the bus stops or whatever. And uh, we finally get there. We're in Key West, Florida. We did it. And now what? It's like midnight and we don't know where to go. So we're like Burger King, climb on the roof, go to bed, figure it out tomorrow. We get up there, two inches of standing water, the whole roof. So we're like, dang, all right, uh, that building. And then we get up there on their roof and standing water. We're like, okay, we were not prepared for Florida. <laughs> we should have definitely Googled this. So we, uh, on the roofs of Burger King. Yeah. In so some lady pulls over and she's like, Hey, where are you guys going? Where are you from? Or where are you headed or something? We're like, I don't know. We don't know where we are. She's like, I'll take you to the, the place, Duval, is where it's happening. So we're like, done. So we throw our crap in the back of her truck. And this is a really cool little tidbit. This is a, makes the story a little longer, but it's really interesting. Her name's, uh, her name's Piper. So I've never met a Piper in my entire life. I love the name personally. I think it's a really cool name. And so uh, we meet Piper, and uh, she throws all her crap in the back seat. It's our first person we've met from Key West, Florida. We shake hands. We say hi. She wishes us good luck. She drops us off on Duval Street. It's like the downtown, hundreds of bars, hundreds of restaurants, live music in every venue. There's like a gay side and a straight side, and she drops us off in the gay side. And uh, there's drag bars, and I've never seen a drag queen in my life at this point. Like, again, my shallow... Uh, upbringing in my you know what do you call that midwest uh bible belt mentality and so i am uncomfortable to say the very least and they're like hey poppy you come on you know and i'm like oh don't look at me oh god and uh i was like oh my god i'm going to hell you know that's all i could think the whole time like oh i messed up i did something wrong and then uh and i was really just tired too <laughs> so we end up uh we end up going down the street up and down the street over and over and over trying to figure something out where we're going to sleep and uh we find the fire department looks pretty quiet it's kind of like right off the strip and we just climb into the bushes there and call it a night and the next morning the fire crew are there and they raise in the flag and they wake us all up and they're screaming in our face what are you doing and they're like making cockadoodle-doos and everything and they kick us off the property and they're dying laughing too because they probably do this all the time you know and so we spend all day walking up and down Duval Street and uh, that morning Brett who came with us he's like I'm done I'm leaving he just turned around and went home and three days later he got home and so uh, <clears throat> the two of us are just walking around over and over we meet some old gay guy named San and uh, San's like hey what are you guys doing we tell him the story and he's like wow he's like well you can live on my balcony for a couple of days until you find a place so we lived on his balcony above a drag bar across the street from another drag bar and uh karaoke sunday nights and it's like saturday night now or, so we didn't sleep that whole weekend just constant adele the worst <laughs> adele covers you've ever heard i could have had it all that's, <laughs> that's all i remember about those that weekend it, my eyes it was such a blur like you just awake 24 hours a day for three days in a row and it's so hot there and exciting at the beginning you just can't really fall asleep and there's nowhere to fall asleep you're not you don't belong anywhere yet uh Monday rolls around and he takes me to the Casa Marina. I ended up applying at the Casa Marina, got a job that day, walked right into the, uh, left the HR building, got into orientation. Later that day, they fitted me for a uniform and uh, I worked there for 
on and off for the next eight years. My favorite job I've ever had. I love that people and I love those, uh, that place a whole lot. It's really great. And then during that time, we would take off every summer and go blow all our money. And so the first year we took the RV trip and then uh, that was 2012. And so we ended up farting around. We drove from Key West to Alaska. Uh, we didn't drive to Alaska. We drove to um, Bellingham, Washington. And then I couldn't cross the border because I don't have a passport. At the time, didn't have a passport because uh, my parents never finished my adoption. So I had to uh, adopt myself basically when I was like 25 to get a passport. And so we stopped there. We put the camper in storage and then we got on the ferry. We rode the Alaska Marine Highway System, which is highly recommended. I think it's one of the coolest parts of the country. It's like a hidden gem of travel. It's literally like a cruise ship if a cruise ship was a campground there's no rooms you just anywhere you want you throw a tent anywhere like on the front viewing deck in the hallway blocking the fire escape like we found hammocks hung up like blocking other people's doors like it was a really cool thing and everyone on there is the same mentality that i was just beginning to get a hold of this idea that um you just do it you just do the thing you don't have to traveling hostel it's like a hostel it's like uh it's i don't know it's like a moving trailer park it's really cool in a ferry i mean it is a a ferry it's a ferry yeah and there's cars underneath and everything but i'd never been on a ferry before so to me this was completely foreign and i've been on after this actually we went on a ferry and it was i mean you kind of just sit in your car while it goes but this is like five or six stories i don't remember it's like a mezzanine and all kinds of stuff yeah i've been on one like that in bellingham yeah you know like a seating like a seating deck this one was called the kennecott if you're familiar with the I don't know if that was but, it. I know I went on one up there, though. But anyway, this is really cool. Couldn't recommend it. I think everyone should do it. It was really neat. It was about 500 bucks and worth every single penny. It's five and a half days, and the last day is like open ocean. You see incredible views of Alaska and the Wrangell Range and all kinds or Mount St. Elias and just the biggest mountains I've ever seen in my entire life and just all their splendor. It's really cool. And... Uh, Anyway, so I got super seasick the last day, and uh, we get up there. We stayed and hitchhiked around Alaska for a couple weeks, and we flew back, and then we drove back down the coast through San Francisco and cut back through the country. So we did like a big figure eight, ended up back in Missouri, and he got his girlfriend pregnant at the time. So, uh, And this now is not Brett or Sean. This is Jesse now, the guy who I live with in Montana. And so uh, Jesse's a real good friend of mine. We've known each other for about 17 years now, and uh, this trip probably cemented that like he'll always be my brother because of that trip you know being in the being in that thing together and so uh, we ended up back in uh where were we somewhere in missouri somewhere around farmington area and i ended up living with my old high school teacher for a little while i had to pay my rent in books read because he he, ran into him homeless like when i was still like walking around trying to figure it out and I ran, actually, I ran into him at the school board. I was trying to go get evolution taken out of the school books. And I don't even have kids there in the <laughs> district. But I thought, I've got nothing to do today. I might as well go do something. And so I went up there to do that. And I ran into him there, you know. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, continue. Continue. I, I might be retarded. I don't know. It's somewhere up there. I got something going on for sure. Let's just go start some yeah. shit with the school board. So I anyway, I thought, you know, what am I going to do? You. Yeah, what am I going to do, you know? So I ran into him there and we told him the story kind of, and he's like, all right, well, you stay with me. So I lived with him for a little while until I could convince a friend of mine that we should start a band and head out and try to make it. And so I did, and we jumped all of our crap into his Mazda Protégé, and we took off east for Asheville, North Carolina. And we ended up getting a gig in Asheville. We played for another band 
at their bar and it was the worst gig ever to this day just the pinnacle of embarrassment it was terrible we didn't practice very well we didn't know what we were doing but i just knew i had to start somewhere if i want to play music i have to just start i have to just jump in we got really lucky in fact that band we opened for stole him off of our band so my other guitar player they're like you should play for us so we left he joined them and in return dropped me off in key west florida and he went and toured with them for a while and so that was kind of cool and i'm back in key west and i did that again for eight months until i met anthony in farmington the next year uh in the summer sometime in the summer and then i ended up sticking around in farmington for about two years Mm -hmm. uh doing taxes and i worked at applebee's and uh i tried to start a game company and uh, i mean technically i did i mean with the help of some others i did start it it just also died so (laughs) give credit where credit's due you know it had a life it had a life yeah it had a short (laughs) awful life but uh, it was good it was good i remember that company well it was fun yeah (laughs) honestly like uh you know that was like at that time i'd met you i was so i was so naive i was still so narrow and like my mind had been opened to the possibility of stuff but it hadn't been filled with that stuff yet my mind was just an open vacuum and so like when i'd met you i'd started that's when i'd really started the i guess like the becoming a man thing, the self-improvement, taking fitness, um, uh, what do you call it? What's the word I'm looking for? Taking fitness seriously. Uh, I wanted to get into fighting. I wanted to get into writing. I wanted to get into stretching the muscles that I've never used for lack, for honestly, lack of confidence. I didn't, I didn't grow up super confident. I was always the shortest kid in school until I was, I didn't hit puberty until I was 20, you know? So like I had a lot of things I was like, a little fuck up, you know? But then, uh, about that time I'd started to really like come into my own skin and I felt invincible. Like after coming off that trip, I felt like 50% of the time I was invincible. I could never die. And the other 50% of the time I was like, wanted to kill myself because the trip was over and I had to go back to working a job. You know, so it was a really weird time to be young, I guess. Yeah. I think you said that well. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Sure. You know, I'm not even sure if that that feeling ever really goes away. Just the desire, the wanderlust, whatever. You know? yeah, yeah, I think that wanderlust is always there. You know, <clears throat> you're always kind of just wondering. Yeah. You know, I don't look forward to Mondays. Like, no, you know? no. Everybody <laughs> wants it. Like, we, we never had any plan for the trip know. to end. You know, like, we had really gotten into that camper with the idea that it would last forever or at the very least it will last until we die you know and so this was 2012 the world's going to end in december when are we getting another chance to do this we have the money we have the time we have our strength we have our youth and now's the day and so we took off and did it and a lot of it too comes from like when i was little i'd hear people say things like oh you know you gotta move to florida when you're young or it gets harder when you get older you gotta do it when you're young or when you're old you can't really enjoy it you know and i listened to those things and so I got pretty lucky to have heard that and pretty lucky to have taken it seriously. Of course, it's not free, though. Now I'm in my mid-30s and all my friends have kids. They're all married. They have houses. And I'm still a motorcycle bum running around playing my guitar. You yeah, know? but so the skill you've taken away or that you've developed over time is the ability to improvise on the fly. Sure. If you haven't, sure. you should uh, check out Ed Calderon. He's a former, he was in the Mexican police. He taught counter-narco stuff, but he talks about going dangerous places, doing dangerous things. And he, like, even you talking about, hey, we're hungry, we need food. 
Sure. You improvised a plan, walked in, got a got a meal for free where most people wouldn't even think of it. There's ways to subsist that a lot oh, of the yeah, boondockers yeah. figure out. And that ability to improvise, it it will continue to do you well over time. Sure. Now, <clears throat> here's something that I'm actually interested in because... Mm -hmm. For the audience, me and you have not caught up at all. No. So That's we, where it, I ended the story is where we left where off. Where we left off, yeah. right. So it, it was, that was 2015. 15. Yeah. Okay. I was a very, very different human then. Hmm. And I'm going to be interested to hear your perspective of who I was in that moment of my life. Sure. Because uh, I, I'm not sure if I remember. <laughs> I, uh, I, I know it, I know it wasn't good. <laughs> no, it, wasn't it wasn't good. No, it wasn't. It's definitely, this is the thing, like, you can't, I don't know, the only metric you have to measure yourself is by who you were yesterday. So if you're better than who you were yesterday, you're winning, right? As long as you're one step farther now than you were then, that's fine. And I don't think, uh, I don't know, really, like, back then I looked up to you a lot as a, I mean, for less for more like as a father figure i didn't have as a brother i didn't have as like a teacher i never had the a mentor figure right you're my gandalf at the time and uh as we got closer and closer and closer the rest of my life was starting to get a lot really difficult again i go i guess now that i'm thinking about it i go through like waves and maybe everyone does but i can look back at my life and i can see waves of just um, adversity or difficulty and a lot of them are because of my own decisions I would say 99% of them are because of my own decisions and then there are some that aren't like I didn't do anything when you know to make my dad leave when I was a kid that wasn't me that's him and so I have to live with that though and things change because of that whole thing and so what I do from now on is up to me though and how I use the rest of my time is up to me. It has nothing to do with him anymore. And so there's other things like that that you just can't really control. You don't get to pick your parents, more or less, you know. But you get to pick your friends. You get to pick your mentors. You get to pick your coworkers. You get to pick your job. And so I had a lot of freedom in that. And I tried to do the best I could, and I've definitely made a lot of mistakes at it. And I definitely will continue to make a lot of mistakes at it. But I feel like at that time, it was definitely, like, the right time, the right place. I needed you in my life. And I felt like you needed me as well because I was like the opposite of you you were stuck you were so stuck and like you had this and uh it was like I don't know how you call it you wanted to be Farmington royalty so bad you wanted to fit in with these Farmingtonites so bad and it like I always thought it was hilarious because at the time they were just I just couldn't care about any of them like they have nothing <laughs> going for them congratulations you know in my head like woo Farmington you're just another town you're literally just a place I would stop on the side of the highway on a trip and get gas and turn around and get back in the car that's what Farmington <laughs> is you know maybe like oh I've been on the bike a long time they have a Walmart I can get a banana and play on the Wi-Fi, that's what Farmington is to me. It's not, there's nothing there. And so when the more you were trying to get into it, and I also know like it's different folks, different strokes for different folks. I'm not shooting Farmington down. If you live there, congratulations, cool. Honestly, anyone who owns a house, you're doing way better than me, and you've got a family, congratulations on that too. That's a really good thing, and it should be something to be proud of. But at the time, like where my mind was at that time, I wanted the world. I wanted all of it. I wanted to... Like I was still dreaming about buying a sailboat and circumnavigating the globe, and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to, 
this idea I wanted to develop a like a uh, YouTube channel called Workum Navigation, and it's just the idea that you can circumnavigate the globe using employers, and all it would be was just trying to help people find employers and employee and like uh, places that offer you know a fast track to a visa or employee housing. So like now I don't have to worry about where I'm going to live. All I have to do is get this job, which I can get through a an interview over the phone or on Skype, and then when I get there, my my housing needs are met my job needs are met my transportation needs are met and i can figure the rest out they'll probably do they have a uniform there you go now your clothing needs are met you literally can go there phone wallet keys and be fine you know if you've got a little bit of money to get there because it takes about three weeks or four weeks to get some money back on that first paycheck they hold you know so if you've got enough to subsist for four months and you can find a place like this you can do it and that was my whole plan at the time i wanted to like i really wanted to keep doing that and exploring that and i ended up uh running out of time really i ended up uh started dating more and that became super distracting and also made a lot of bad decisions there too i ended up uh, meeting a woman out there and I ended up marrying her a couple of years later and then we were married actually we were together five years married for three and the divorce finalized in 2021 and so you know you did we did the best we could yeah. but uh, we'll get him next time I guess that kind of thing well you Don't know do it what I thought was uh <laughs> you know what's really interesting about what you just said a minute ago when you said that um I was stuck yeah I've said that many times right but I think in before until I met you, being born and raised in the Midwest, even having left for the military and have already came back, I don't think the idea or the possi- the idea of exploring the world was really even something that I had considered. It, it, the idea of adventure, travel, or anything, you know, I was very stuck into this. I was going to get an education. I was going to go to work. I was going to get a family. I was yeah. going to progress through my career, progress through my community, you know, the people that you know, the networks that you build. And I that was my life. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't ever think about, like, you know, one day I want to go to the mountains. Yeah. Like, that was not even a consideration. Sure. And then you walk through the door, and it's like, boom. Yeah, There's I want to do a whole world out there. I want to eat all the stuff. I want to eat all the critters. I want to taste all the different drinks well, and like that's the whole thing. Your you know? influence in my life in that time caused such a disruption, right? A, yeah. a lot of the reasons why I'm divorced today is because of that period. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. It's the least I can do. It's the least you yeah. can do. But it was because I was married to someone who also lived that same way, right? Sure. And then when you it, when you landed and you caused that disruption and that bubble burst, yeah. And then that just rocked everything hmm. because then all of a sudden I wanted adventure. I was no longer that, content. Yeah. I wanted to move, and I I was becoming restless. Sure. Sure. And that disruption is what started to kind of unravel my world. Yeah. Because at some point you get to this critical mass where it's like, you got to choose one or the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it gets like, I know the, the term like midlife crisis, you know, I've heard that a couple of times now and I'm like, I'm in 34 <laughs> now and I've, I have no idea what it looks like because I've been doing the things my whole youth since I was like 
17, 18 years old, I've been doing the whole those things my whole life, basically, that people do during their midlife crisis. And, I, and more or less, I'm trying to get it out of the way. Really, when the time comes that I have kids, because I do want kids eventually, when the time comes that I have kids, it's so difficult. You have to get stuck for their sake. You have to provide some stability. Whether you can raise kids on a sailboat, you can raise kids in a school bus and drive around the country, it's not impossible. You have to do it differently and you have to make a lot of sacrifices though or else the kids end up goofy, homeless vagabonds living underneath a balcony in Portland and they're high on whatever. You know, so like you do have to do it differently but it doesn't mean you can't do it. So in my head I thought, well, that sounds really hard. I'll get it out of my system. And then when the time comes, I'll meet a nice woman and I'll have some nice kids and I'll put down roots somewhere. And for those next 18 years till the kids are in college, then I'll just do that. I'll be the family guy and I'll be a pillar in my community and do all that kind of stuff. I'll run. I'll go back to the school board and get evolution taken out of the book. <laughs> you know? And I thought, you know, that's the way it would go. And uh, in my head, I seen it when I was a kid, you know, I seen it like, this would all, the timeline is so different now. Because when I was a kid, I thought, yeah, I'll be married probably 20s, 23. I'll probably be married by that time, start having kids. So I need to get all my traveling done pre-23. Well, then I started traveling at 23. So now I'm like, we'll push it back a year. Yeah, we'll push it back another year. And eight years later, I'm still running around on my motorcycle like an idiot, you know. And now it's been 20, I don't even know how many years now, 10 years almost. So my motorcycle's outside so it is what Your it motorcycle's is motorcycle's amazing yeah. by the way yeah i like her she's and i great. don't think i would say like an idiot i think you make this a very derogative <laughs> thing and no it's no not. i mean it's it's i don't know i don't think of it like that way at all i really like it it's what i like you know but it's not um what's the word it's, it's not societally accepted sure it's, it's not copacetic yeah. like you can't everyone can't do this or i won't be able to that's the thing like my whole life revolves on everyone else doing their part <laughs> because eventually when i'm out on the road like i have to get gas and if no one's running the gas station because everyone's out doing what i'm doing then the gas the country shuts down so it's an it's a it's, uh they're necessary the people are necessary the people that i don't want to be like are necessary for me to have what i want and so i thank them for that and i also look to return that favor one day again when i set down roots somewhere become a pillar in the community do the thing you should do you have a youtube channel no you should Please, I don't, I don't like do. I never look back. No, well, <laughs> no. It's more about you don't have to. Uh, yeah. It's more about giving people a different perspective or sure, journal sure. because some point you're talking about having kids. Like yeah. you can tell these stories, but uh, maybe book. We like we're talking about vlogging, just the stuff we do. Because sure. I mean, <clears throat> you're an interesting dude. We know lots of interesting people. We do interesting shit. Uh, capture that, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? And maybe sure. even write about it later because your kids can yeah. can look back on it. And more importantly, their kids. And then there's a legacy there. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll definitely write it down. I've, I mean, I've written down a lot of it. It's strange because during the time, like, I've never been a phone person. I never had social media or anything. And so... I think I have Snapchat now because it's basically free Wi-Fi texting and calling. But that's like the only social media I have. And so like everyone else is like they can go back and look at the last 25 years of their life and they, or since Facebook was invented. And they can say, oh, here I was and there they are and look at us and all that stuff. Like the day at the beach we were talking about earlier. Right. But I don't have that because the whole time it was happening, I had my phone in my pocket and I was in the moment. And so I have 
tons of stories that I don't have a single picture of. I don't have a single thing of, you know, all those mementos I thought I lost them because we had to leave that house or, you know, I lost them because I couldn't take them with them where I was going because when you live out of a backpack, you can only well, carry a couple <coughs> things. People, people would, I follow lots of, and we've all traveled around all over. Most places I've been have been not fun. Hmm. I've been to some fun ones though. Sure. Uh, and I've gone through a lot of them and experienced a lot of cultures and stuff internationally. But like for the stuff you're doing, there's literally people who have been monetized who are making a killing. Just yeah. Living that I thought about it too. I wanted to actually, uh, I was thinking about recently just calling Suzuki since I love that bike and just be like, Hey Suzuki, I want to take this bike all the way down to Ushuaia in, uh, um, Argentina all the way to the bottom. And you know, I'll do it. You film it, you supply all the stuff, I'll do it. You can use it as a commercial. And I'll talk about how sick this bike is the entire way down there. And then if they, what's they going to do? Say no. The worst they can say is, ew, gross. I have a boyfriend. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Man, that was beautiful. Well said. Thanks. Well said. Yeah. So when you knew me back in the day, I was, how big was I? Um, I don't know weight wise. I've never been good at guessing weight. You had a like a Santa gut. You had like the kegger, <laughs> the for kegger. sure. Yeah, but you weren't like uh, you weren't fat though. You had like you look like a Goron. You know, <laughs> you had that you had that Goron build because you were solid. You know, you, had, you know you had strong shoulders back then. You had strong arms, and then you just had. But also you had health issues too, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. You couldn't eat. You, bread you couldn't drink beer so there's a lot of things going on and uh you couldn't go more or less you couldn't go hard in the paint because every time you would exert then you'd suffer for it and i remember that was being was a thing at the time too mm-hmm. yeah yeah there was a lot going on back then yeah but yeah yeah that was like uh 60 pounds ago ish right. yeah yeah i remember at the very end we had a, a little a falling out for sure i remember mm-hmm. like we just didn't see eye to eye. And I think I don't actually know a hundred percent. I remember like I was going through so much shit at the time too. I like let my phone get shut off and just never turned it back on. I was so sick of hearing from certain people. And most of the problem I was having was from the game team, uh, that infighting and the lack of communication and just being, I was stuck. That's the thing. I had all that talk of me being mobile. And then I ended up stuck. I ended up locked into a lease. I ended up stuck in a company that I hated, uh, with people that I could no longer trust and no longer liked. And I hated it so much. And so, uh, I remember like, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I remember just like completely cutting everyone out and you, you especially too. And then I ended up buying the motorcycle and it wasn't, I bought the motorcycle on Wednesday. It's a beautiful 2008 Suzuki V-Strom, just love of my life. I mean, she's ugly, but she'll put out. But anyway, so then (laughs) we, uh, I bought it on Wednesday. My brother-in-law taught me how to drive it. Uh, Thursday night and Friday I left for Montana and have never driven a motorcycle before. And so it's like a 500 pound bike with all my crap on it. It was about 600 pounds. I didn't dump it. I only killed it twice. And, uh, nine days later made it to Montana. And so, and then I had to drive it all the way back to alone both times, you know? And so like that taught me a whole lot too, just about being alone and you know there's no one coming no one knows where i am that kind of thing and so that was pretty cool i think it's really important every young man should go through that at least once Uh, maybe not a motorcycle trip but 
like tripping is fun going on all these adventures but you should do one you know where you're alone you know where you're out there but i don't know maybe not i don't know i think that's pretty good advice yeah i think so at least one just to knock it off you know check it off that's one of the desires i've i've maintained most of my life but the and I do it even still today, the, especially with the way we're connected all the time with phones and everything yeah. else. Yeah. It's like every now and then it's, you know, I'll be on my way home from work and I'll deviate and I'll sure. go somewhere else and yeah. I'll turn it all off. And it's like in those moments, I get the opportunity just to be somewhere like nobody knows where I'm at. Sure. Nobody knows what I'm doing. I'm just here. Yeah. And I, I get a sense of solitude with that. Yeah. Because when, when we were growing up, that was normal. Yeah. You yeah. know, when your parents left or you left the house, like, you know, you had to call, you left the message. Sure. There was no cell phone. Come back when the streetlights yeah. come on. As soon as you walked out the front door, really, nobody knew where you were. Yeah. yeah. Until you <clears throat> until you missed check-in or whatever, the, sure. whatever happened, right? <laughs> yeah. So we grew up in this era of, like, this autonomy, I guess, and then we lost it. And now everybody knows where we are. All yeah. the time. It's like everybody knows where I'm at almost every waking minute of the day. Yeah. And sometimes I just want it to be like, no. Yeah. I just want a moment sure. away. Yeah. Yeah. We live off uh, off grid up there now. And we got where I live. There's no cell service on the property except for one. You have to climb up the little hill there. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's pretty great. It's uh, it's tough. It's definitely like an adjustment. I don't know if it's for everybody, but I've found just like less is more. I've found a lot of happiness and minimalism. I have a little tiny house filled to the brim with nothing, and I love it. It's great. Our um, our last trip that we took to New Mexico was our first experience like that, where we got the opportunity to finally get off grid far yeah. enough to where, you know, when we were out there. Uh, we were in the middle of Gila National Forest, and we were 52 miles into the forest, and then we were about nine miles off of a high-clearance, four-wheel drive-only road. Yeah, yeah. And then we found our way into the bottom of this canyon. And, it, you know, um, Michelle and I both said at that time, it was like, we are so far away from everything. We have no cell signal. We have nothing. GPS went out. Like, yeah. we are just gone. It's like, if something happened, nobody would ever be able to find us. It'd be weeks. It'd be weeks. Some other person see a glint or something, you know, aircraft oh, or something. I, that's yeah. why I told you to give me a, give me a grid and a combo window, <laughs> like, because I know how that works. I've been, been yeah. in areas where nobody knows but where you are. There was such a solitude to that. Mm-hmm. There was such a peace of knowing, like, you're existing in the world, literally in a space that no one knows. Yeah. Like, they can't find you. Yeah. Dude. You know? And it was like, finally, I'm free. When we were in Hawaii, we had we had to brief our battalion commander because we had just gone out and done all these lanes. We were building... We had our squads go out to proof these squad lanes for the Jungle Warfare course. And in East Range... Joe, Joe's been out in East Range, but where we were was not off the trails. Like, down in gulches and... After my, uh, you were deep in the bush, dude. We were in the. Let me put it this way: we were so deep in the jungle, balls deep. I my first sergeant came back from walking one of my first squads, and I was with our company medics, and uh, he was like, "We need these guys to know how to use three and one pulleys to get us out if somebody gets really hurt, and uh, and it's a skedco, so it's basically like it's a sled." 
and you need to know how to do rope work to evacuate somebody from a bad situation. Luckily, our senior medic had done uh, high-angle technical rescue in a fire department, so him and I spent the rest of the day training the medics. The end of that night, my first round walked back with my last squad, and he goes, Sam, he had gone to Delta Selection. Like He goes, this terrain's worse than anything I did there. Next week, we're briefing the battalion commander, and we're like, it's so bad in there. Like, the bush was so thick, it was like going into a cave, and you'd be in a pig den surrounded by pigs, and it was like a cave, and you just heard them rooting around around you. I've and, done that. And so the next week, we're literally out there. It was me, my platoon leader, and my squad leaders, and our whole job was to rope in, go through these likely paths of travel squads would have to go through in the course's lanes, and we were... I was literally getting to where I could get a GPS signal, marking the location so the engineers could rope in and cut it just so you could get a jungle penetrator in. It was so deep you couldn't even get them in at the time. About halfway through that day, I blew my ankle out going through a gulch. And me and my guys spent the rest of the night with me hobbling, getting evacuated. Like It was literally like I have a choice because they couldn't even have gotten a jungle penetrator to me. I literally belly crawled out of a gulch in something I should have been out, I don't know, six hours later after running a lead climber up and everything else. And I crawled out onto a road barely like a baby and then limped back to my car because we were going to camp that night. And I'm like, I, I got to get home. Um, and it was like that. It was like no one's coming to save you. The option was get out of that. Right. It, yeah. it, you know, and uh, being that far removed from any kind of, and I mean, in reality, one of them probably could have got out. I wasn't going to die in 24 hours, but sure. it was so far in there, yeah. the, the the deep dark. And it's like that when you're way out in the wilderness, you're much yeah. more attached to just your primal self. Yeah. The reality mm. of who you are as a human and the environment you're surrounded in. Yeah. Uh, and I'm in a, you know, tropical environment, whatever. Um, but I think everybody should experience that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I think being responsible for your own survival at some point is an, is a, of an important part of yeah. personal development. Yeah. Because I think until you are, it's hard for you to really understand who you are. For sure. You see it with a lot of like affluent, uh, you know, like rich kids, spoiled brats, you know, these people who've, everything's been handed to them their whole life. And, they they're insufferable like they're not fun to be around you know and they i don't not all of them not 90 not 100 percent of them you know but uh you see like a lot of these people and you can just feel them a mile away that you have nothing to share with this person or nothing they could ever tell you that would matter because they have no experience you know they've never had to to do it but maybe i'm wrong i don't know maybe not <laughs> maybe not well, I, I think it, I think experience is um, an important part of yeah. life, right? Yeah. I think, you know, that's one of the things, uh, we were talking about this the other night, that's one of the things I think people fail to realize. We, we get so caught up in our goals, in our directions, in our things, that we fail to stop and enjoy the experience. Mm -hmm. Like, we spend 99% of the time the journey on the way. Yeah. 
And, and if you're only going to stop and say, well, I'm not going to be happy until I get to this 1%. You're never going to be happy. <laughs> never. Mm-hmm. You're going to get that 1% yeah. and you're still going to be unhappy. Well, yeah. You, yeah, you gotta, and it's like, you got to stop and, and experience well, life. And you need to enjoy the ride. Every goal should be a benchmark. It's just, it's like while we talk about jujitsu and people quitting a blue belt, like they need to learn to enjoy the ride and then realize, okay, they made a summit not the summit because you'll get there and then like fucking Eric will tell you he's a black belt he climbed the mountain and then he's like there's still more mountain yeah <laughs> like <laughs> damn it the only it thing he realizes is there's the mountain the mountain's endless right, right? forever right and ever the clouds ever. were just there it didn't stop <laughs> yeah like and, and then you, it turns into a valley or a river or a, like the experience know, never ends and if you don't stop to enjoy the climb mm-hmm. then how are you ever going to enjoy life dude i was yeah. hanging you from, know what i mean i was hanging from the side of a mountain one night in hawaii under nods laughing hysterically at guys bitching incessantly about all the pain they were in and sucking which I feed off of that but I'm hanging there and we're so far out under night vision and I ended up just rocking mine back and I leaned back on the rope and I looked up and I'm on this island no lights and you know how it is if you're way out where there's absolutely zero lights and I'm just looking up at the Milky Way and the closest I'd seen to that level of beauty was uh when i was a kid in oregon laying on my back because we like i said we had that homestead in the cascades and it was amazing and then like a year and a half later i saw a a nighttime rainbow which was all great you want to see some crazy stuff i couldn't even capture it on film which sucks it was a rainbow in all shades of gray Mm -hmm. it was the wildest thing me and moonbow yeah, I was running mm-hmm. a range, and it was just like mm-hmm. nobody ever can capture this. This because you couldn't with a camera. It's just yeah. the most insane thing, and it's like there's value there. But the only way you get that value, like it was one of the rare circumstances where, in all those things, it's like you can't get it with a camera. You have to be there. Yeah, you just have to look at it. Yeah, put your phone down and absorb it. Yeah, yeah, it's wild, dude. I think that's pretty well said. We don't do that enough. Just stop and be. Mm-hmm. You know, that was my biggest focus on the 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 West trip that I took, right? And I was really focused then on just learning to just be. Stop being out of my head all the time. Yeah. You know, because you're always in the past or you're always in the future. It's yeah, like yeah. just be. Like life is only happening right now. Mm-hmm. Everything that we do from now until the future is now. Mm-hmm. And if you don't stop and just be in the moment, you're going to miss everything. Yep. And then what do you got? If you don't have your memories, mm. what do you have? You've got a shitty recording of a concert with a, <laughs> <laughs> with a thousand yeah. people's phones all in those, front of you. All those beautiful yeah. th- You know, we talked about that earlier, and, that, and that's something that, um, that we, yeah, we should just segue into that now. But it's like that whole putting out in the world. Right? What do we put out in the world? And that was one of the premises of this podcast was we were going to be raw. Right? It was about these conversations, the conversations that happen behind closed doors, just like you would with your friends, your real life, your real problems. We're not fucking experts. Nope. I'm not going to sit here and sell you that I have some fucking answer. I don't have shit. Right? I'm a guy that's lived some life that will share experience and give you my fucking point of view, right or wrong. Right? It's up to you what you do with that. Right? Yeah. And 
that is just where it's at. You know, you just got to sometimes you just got to be. But we see this social media life where everybody's out there and what they're doing is they're just putting their best foot forward. We always talk. About, I, I use the example with uh, Mike earlier. I said it's like the beach photo. You see this little beach tent and the towels and they're perfectly set up and the toddlers and the mom. It's like, oh, perfect day at the beach. You know, the Salt f- life. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it's like, OK, right. what they really need is the real photo. They need a shitty diaper floating in the ocean. Yeah. They need a little kid running naked screaming and a mom coming back after it. The seagulls and then it should are going say, after the Doritos. I- exactly. Yeah. And then it should say, you know, perfect day at the beach. Because that's real life. Right. And you yeah. get out there and everybody expects things or, or whatever. And it's like, you know, people, oh, we have all these like, people out there selling themselves as experts. Yeah. And it's like, no, no nobody's an expert in anything. Remember, we're all learning. Right? I make mistakes. I get depressed. I fall on my face. I come out of it. I try to do better. Right? Sometimes you don't. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. You know how many fixes have fucked up like over and over and over? I mean, that's the reality of it. We all want to look at competitive life and we're like wins versus losses. Like, come on, let's add up our fucking losses. Yeah. Thousands. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Wins, I can probably count them on one hand. Well, any. You know, anybody who you see who's a winner suffered a thousand lessons before that. I'm not going to call them losses. Yeah. I'll call them lessons. That's a mind shift, man. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Hey, got to hurt, do better. It's like we were talking about on the drive here. Like people like, oh, I have this injury or <clears throat> I have that or I'm in pain or I'm whatever. Like I can always show you somebody who has it worse. You, There's always a way. There's always a path of least resistance. You can always rise above whatever, like... Well, the fact of the matter is... Control your energy. And and you can apply this logic to a lot of things, but it's you're going to be here tomorrow or you're not, right? Yeah. But if you're going to be here tomorrow, you might as well be here tomorrow. Yeah. And, you know, people always think about that and they think, well, you know, the worst case scenario or whatever. And it's like, you're going to find a way to adapt until you're dead. And if you die, then okay. Yeah. But if not, if I don't die, I'm still here. Yeah. Which means that I'm still going to have to keep doing. That Brian's guy who lived like uh, 120 years, whatever, he's a Cuban guy, I think. And they asked him, they're like, what's the secret to long life? That's what they always ask these guys. And he said, uh, right before you think you're going to die, don't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. <laughs> But there's some truth to that, though. It's it's a mental battle. That's why you see, like, old people, their wife dies two weeks later, two yep. days later. He goes, too. He's happened done. To, he happened quits. To, happened to my grandfather. I think death is literally just learning how to stop your heart. That's all it is. You, if you realize in your head, you're like, oh, I can stop using this muscle. Just like you can. Breathing takes off on its own. We don't have to think about it. But should I think about it, I can control it, right? And uh, maybe it's that way with the heart near the end there and i'm no doctor this is definitely not this isn't bible but just an opinion like when you get up to that age you're just like you know what i'm done you know no i've literally like i've i've had people say yep i think it's time and then they're gone the next day yeah well i think there's two points here one um dr david sinclair um, he does the longevity research, right? So he actually, they've identified aging. Mm-hmm. And so according to his research, right, whether he's right or wrong, I'm not going to argue that. Sure. Um, but uh, what they say is is that 
up until a certain point, your body, your brain is telling your body to regenerate cells and to do certain things. And then something happens associated with telomer length and um, and something happens in your brain shifts this function and actually starts to degrade. And so your body will literally start to degrade. So we don't have Mm -hmm. a... The, this idea that you know we get older and things start to break, they're, they're yeah. you know, degradation over sure. time. Yeah. We have cellular rejuvenation, so that's actually not a thing. Yeah. Our bodies have to tell ourselves to start dying. Yeah. And then, so what they've learned through this longevity research is they were like, if it's that easy, then we can just turn off that switch. And so they have, they've turned off the switch and then things have now started to live longer and they're yeah. making a lot of progress in that. And then, uh, you know, that's just, I think that's that's one thing that you're there, and the other part of that is the power of the mind. Yeah. Right. If you look into like placebo studies or you look into like healing, I think one of the things that gets people is they get it in their mind, right? When they give you a prognosis, right, mm-hmm. and they, or, or whatever, and they say, "Yeah, you got four months to live," and then people die. Yeah. Four months, right? Because <clears throat> they believe they believe yeah. that. Oh, yeah. We talked right? about it Friday. Right. Yeah, we that, did. That dude in Italy. Mm-hmm. He went home, just started living. He went back to Italy to his home country. He's like, I'm not taking any treatments with cancer, like none of this. He had stage four cancer because you guys weren't here. But uh, this dude literally went back to Italy, was on the coast, just started eating the local diet, was out in the garden, having a glass of wine every night, waking up. Dude lived another seven years. They'd given him like months to live. And this guy was just back, happy, whatever. The the power of your mindset. Yeah. yeah, is so important. Whether it's healing, whether it's manifestation, motivation, whatever you want to call it, the power of your mindset det- it directly determines your not just your your own personal happiness, right? And we can get into inner peace, inner mm-hmm. joy, all that other stuff, but it determines your um, your energy that you put out in the world. Well, it's talking about it in texts, like in the Bible. They talk about if you put your mind to it, you can move mountains, mm-hmm. like. Literally, if you, you know. believe, yeah, right. If you like say to faith. these and believe in your heart, then the mountains will be moved, right? Well, like tr- true faith, like <clears throat> yeah. you know, faith is the most powerful <clears throat> drug we've ever found. It really is like the placebo having faith in a sugar pill well, can that, cure that's things. What, what, that's why they talk about it, you know, it's big time in seer school, like bear faith with your fellow comrades. Like, you look at some of the things people have endured, like, you may think you have it bad, and like, I can tell you, I'm not going to do it on here, but. Like people telling you, like, yeah, that's a man. You've been through a lot, and this, that, and the other. It's like, no, uh uh-uh. I could tell you some stories, or people telling you, man, I'm really proud of you. Don't tell me you're proud of me. You just told me you did this. You out of your mind? Like that's insane. But they, you know, you get into that that imposter syndrome kind of thing too. You know, yeah. And it's like. I think that's the hard one, you know, and I just like, so here recently, like literally as of like two days ago, um, and I, and I really haven't communicated this to you guys. So probably the first you've heard of it, but I knew that you knew I was going through some issues when I came back. Right. So there was a series of, um, events in my life that took place right around the time that I left that really shook up my personal view, right? Like my inner view. And, um, I ended up getting really depressed, like bad. And it, I was really struggling. Like, um, at first I thought it was like a PTSD reaction and I thought, well, you know, I kind of get over it. And then I realized that, you know, I'd ended up in this deep depression and then, and it was just carrying on. 
and I couldn't kind of get to the bottom of it, right? And I finally realized the other couple of days ago, like, what was my problem? And my problem was it ended up being an interview problem, yeah. right? Yeah. We, we started this podcast, and, and I think, you know, I know Joe's not here right now, but I think Joe contributed to this a lot. You know, um, I've been working with him with his fitness and nutrition and all this other stuff, and the accolades that he gives me, they're hard. I struggled because it was like, oh, my God, I can't live up to that. You know, it's like all of a sudden people are starting to hear and they're, you know, you're we're getting this like this view out there, you know, where people are coming up to us and like, oh, man, we love the podcast. And, you know, at least we're getting small town famous a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you're starting to get some recognition. And, you know, and, and you know, Joe is is close to a fan, I guess, as I, as I can have. And um uh, and then all of a sudden, it, I started to present myself different on the podcast, and I felt like I started putting this persona on and like getting it. And then the problem is, is when I lost a little bit of my self-view and I went into this depression, I felt like I couldn't live up to that. And then I felt like, oh my God, I, I, I can't do this. You know, and I wanted to quit. There was several times in the last couple of weeks where I almost just gave up, because I was like, I can't be that guy. I'm not that guy. Hmm. And what if somebody finds out that I'm not that guy? Right. You know, because <clears throat> here I am. I'm living my life. I'm depressed. I'm going through some shit. I can't figure this out. Right. Well, it's weird because uh, so Tom on, well, Saturday, we were doing the workout, the conditioning workout because I was running open mat wall. They were out down at the tournament and. Tom brought up the podcast from the week before and he was like, were you okay? Cause he could tell, like I kept trying to like hammer my point home and he goes, no, I go, uh, I was kind of in a mood, you know, because you and I messaged each other mm -hmm. later and we're well, like, see, that we're was good. That was a good example of what I was talking about. I was so bothered by that podcast and, and I'll don't say anything yet. Cause I there's a, I'm going to wrap this up in a very positive way. Right. But I was so bothered by that podcast because I thought, oh, my God, here me and Sam are arguing in the podcast. We're obviously upset with each other. And, um, you know, it comes off weird. And then I was like, well, one of us is going to look bad or both. Right. And and then I'm all worried about the episode to the point where I even delayed posting it because I was not going to post it. Right. I was really that close to it. And then Michelle, because. Because she's her and she knows everything. Um, but, you know, she was like, no, that's what everyone needs that's to see. That's what the fuck yeah. we are, dude. They need yeah. to see you fight. They need to see you disagree. But what they need to see is the after effect when you come on the next time and you're best friends again. Right. And you've worked through your shit and you need to be talking about that. And then it was like all of the pieces of the puzzle started to come together for me. And I was like, holy shit, this is my problem. I stopped being authentic. Mm -hmm. I, I left the purpose of what this was supposed to be. This was never supposed to be a censored podcast. This was never supposed to be, I'm going to worry about saying this, and I'm going to worry about saying that. Oh, don't talk about this, because the PC, please. No, this was supposed to be real life. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, That was the purpose. This was supposed to be, I fucked up. I'm going through shit. Right. Help. Well, and that's why, so Tom asked me, and I was like, no. I'm like, I had had, so I'm 
because I've alluded to it, going through a divorce. I'm a single dad, full custody of his daughter. Uh, emergency custody. I'm hoping everything works out. And uh, I'd have had stuff ongoing with that now for months. And uh, I had had some information related to that before because even Joe, he's heard like the when we had uh, Danny's nephew, cousin, his cousin and his friend here, like he was like, yo, you got dark. And we did edit some of that out because the public doesn't need to hear some of the stories. Was that the Army Boys episode? Some of the stories I told mm-hmm. there. But, um, you know, that one, it was in my head about it and whatever. And you and I are messaging each other later that night. Like, nah, man, we're good. Like, mm-hmm. even after we talked about it. But, you yeah, know, we there, scratched that pretty quick. There was some of that. But, but Tom was like, no, dude, you were like jumping in. And I'm like, well, I was just trying to. I didn't feel like I was being understood mm-hmm. and I couldn't even like, I was like, am I not? Expl-? You were not. I'm like, Oh, well I'm like, am I not? Explaining, <laughs> I had no idea what you were saying. Am I not explaining this to myself? And, uh, but to the people who listen, it was apparent, but that's why I have no problem airing it out now. Yeah, man, we all go through some shit. Right. You, you know what I mean? Uh, but that's why I say we, we capture those things. Like that's yeah. why I put it out. Like I'm about to jump heavily into competition i'm throwing all those things out there if i get murdered there i want that televised too because that's going to be a lesson and then they're going to see the next one and the next progression it doesn't matter you show up in life you show up in life for yourself you show up in life for the people you care about Mm -hmm. but show up right Mm -hmm. because that's real yeah win or learn man like it well it's like what mike said earlier if you know if you stop showing up die yeah right like that's where you're at you stop showing up die what what were you going to do fucking exist not every death is a physical death too that's the other thing too like our relationship died that was beautiful 2015 like i have a lot of friends and i'll say like i don't have very many friends now but i've had a lot of friends in my life that uh I loved, I thought the world of, I could see we're going the same direction. I can't wait till my kids are playing with their kids kind of thing. And that relationship is dead. I'll never talk to that person again. Yep. And it's dead for numbers of reasons, lots of reasons. Sometimes you just, it's a matter of convenience. I'm going this way, she's going that way, you know, or we're picking up some, a different option, you know. Uh, we're going another direction, that kind of thing. But it's like, uh, sometimes it's just a misunderstanding. And I don't have the social intelligence to say what I, what I, how to express what's really happening in my head. I don't understand what's happening in my head. I don't know why I feel this way. I can't express it to you. And the person I'm, I'm talking with or dealing with has the same lack of, we'll call it intelligence. And because of that, never talk to that person again. And I thought until you text me out of the blue, that was this. I didn't, I never expected to ever see you again. And not because you didn't, not anything wrong with you. I just, that's how she goes. Well, and he you spoke know? highly of you when he was, well, it was at Muay Thai one night, maybe right before, he was telling me about you, and he's like, I got to do we need to get on. He's awesome, like, yada, yada, yada. Like, no, I was really happy. I was really happy to hear that. Yeah, I tried to, phone. I had tried to reconnect with you multiple times. I had, uh, I just could never find a way to get a hold of you. Yeah, and I tough. just got lucky. Tough, I yeah. got lucky this last time, and one yeah. of your old contacts had a good yeah. contact. Yeah. And, uh, Who'd you talk to? Uh, Pat. 
Pat. Yeah, Pat. Hooked Shout me. outs to Pat. Me and uh, me and Pat are still relatively good yeah. friends. Yeah. So um, and uh, he we shoot pool to pull together yeah. every now he's and then. He's good too. He's, he's good. Very, Is he still? Yeah. I haven't talked to him in a while. I was going to go see him in a couple He's days. way better than me. Is he, I mean, is <clears throat> way he playing the pro circuit? Me. Last yeah, time we talked, he wanted to go He's pro. a professional player yeah, now. That's yeah, good. He's, he's, he's crazy, yeah. Yeah, he's been playing like worlds and yeah. all kinds of stuff. He's cool, so, too. Yeah. He's another guy who's lived an awful lot. He's lived, you know, like uh, somebody once said to me, they said, it took me a, a lot longer than 34 years to get 34 years old. He's one mm-hmm. of those guys. He's lived a lot in yeah, his time. Yeah, I, uh, I remember when, when I lived back in Farmington, I gave him my pool stick because he didn't yeah. have a pool stick to play with and so i was like oh here you can borrow this you know and then now it's what you know almost 10 years later and now he's traveling the country and then yeah. uh, when i got the pool table in i was like you know i should contact him and yeah, like yeah. try to get my stick back you know and then i <laughs> and then i was like you know who really deserves this at this point yeah, for <laughs> i'm real. just gonna for real. let him have that and i'll go buy new sticks that'll yeah. be fine so yeah he uh but then i've tried to get him to come over here to play and i he he's tough that because yet. he's uh He's, he's not a stuck person, but he does what he wants, and he doesn't want to move. He no. likes being in that little... Well, that, that's what you said. There's some people that just want certain yep. things, and yep. he lives the life that he wants. Exactly. To him, he is a very yeah. successful person. If you'd pick him up and yeah, you put him 100%. in my shoes where he's moving constantly, doing all stuff, he'd be miserable because it's not for him. He doesn't like that. He would feel stuck being on trips all the time, whereas now, doing his own thing in his, in his area, in his little bubble... You know, which is not really that bubble. I'm not saying that condescendingly, but like in the life that he's built for himself, he's free there. He likes it there, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's definitely not for me. It's not something I could ever do. And even if the location was different, like doing that same kind of thing in Key West, you know, I really loved Key West. I think highly of it. I dream of it constantly. But I don't want to be in Key West forever. I don't want to be anywhere forever, you know. And that's a problem too. And not a big problem, not impossible, but it's just like I have. That's why I still do. I six have the same problem lifestyle. now. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do snowboarding, man. Try snowboarding. Fly south that's for what the I winter. Was about yeah. to say, I said a lot of people have that problem. That's why you see them with multiple homes. Yeah. As they Fly gain south wealth. for the winter. That is. A, uh, that is the goal. <clears throat> if I had all the money in the entire world, I would. Uh, I just get a sailboat, and I would just live all along every oh, coast. So remember that whole. Well, we had a client. Remember the client that we had uh, back in farm the guy that uh, had the sailboat mm-hmm. and he lived in the sailboat and went around the world with his wife and then he ended up coming in he said that was the best way to get divorced by the way yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> he talked about that book yeah he talked about the he book. talked yeah, about the, he yeah. wrote that book right yeah. yeah and uh so that was such an interesting thing yeah. now you read that book yeah. uh and you had talked about uh, the solitude and stuff like that and you've also since then did some sailing um well so we me and jesse uh we went halvesies on a boat in key west we got it from some druggy guy and got it really cheap got a really good deal but it needed a lot of work and uh we were down there and jesse was had one kid now we'd already been back from the trip that whole thing is behind us you know and so he wants to do this next part this next trip we were going to get the sailboat going right around the caribbean and everything and he started having a lot of trouble with his uh we'll call her baby mama now and things got went south super fast and i left i had some other things i had to do and i felt like we're more urgent than important and looking back now they weren't no now that when i look back in my life there's lots of things i'm like nope i gotta do this never mattered never mattered a bit in the grand scheme of things didn't matter at all and then some things i thought well this isn't really that important were huge deals that affected me and other people for 20 years you know and so uh it's one of those things like uh even a small 
a rock, a small rock in a pond, it can send a ripple across the whole surface, oh, that kind yeah. of thing, you know. Yeah. But uh, you don't really have to make waves to make a difference. You can just, little things matter, you know. But anyway, so he, uh, he had that boat down there, and I left and went back to, I think I was in Missouri at the time. And right after I had left, my plan was to come up there, and then when he's ready, I'd meet him back down there, and we'd set sail. And uh, they ended up splitting up. They got back together after that, but it was really difficult. He ended up having to sell the boat. So I think he'd been working on it dry docked for a long time. We took sailing lessons with some guy, and uh, uh, <laughs> we spent the whole time just making funny jokes about the jib and sails luffing and <laughs> loose buttholes, like the whole time just could not be serious. And this old guy's like, uh-huh. So, yeah, this watch this arm here. And we're like, <laughs> yeah, sails luffing here. You know, that's most of my life has been that. But anyway, then he uh, he loses a sailboat, and he has to go back to Missouri, basically, to get his to get his family saved. So he had to make that sacrifice. And so I'm not sure if that door will ever open. I don't. I'm not like. You know, the part that I remember from that book more than anything is he talked about his first night when he was in the open ocean, yeah. and he had to spend his first night alone. And he yeah. and he described in the book as the most terrifying it is, yeah. thing that he's ever experienced. Yeah. He's like, you're in this little boat, and you're in, you, you know, you can't see anything. It's pitch black, and you just know monsters are under you. Oh, yeah. Dude, being in the, the whole time. Being yeah. in the ocean. <laughs> I, I was in the, uh, the Red Sea when I was doing some liaison work in Egypt. And the camp we were on right outside Sharm el Sheikh, which is like a resort town, uh, south camp for MFO for the army. They blasted out, the engineers came in and blasted out all this reef to make like a beach for the soldiers, like an MWR place. Well, I was uh, snorkeling going down there with a buddy of mine, and I dove down and I hit the edge of the reef right to where it drops off. And I'd climbed down, I'm underwater, I'm about I don't know, 25 feet down, but I'm hugging the reef looking this way, and I turned around, and it was black. And I was like, wow, this isn't cool. And, I mean, I've done a lot of, like, I did free diving a lot in Hawaii, a lot of spearfishing and stuff like that. I said, I used to joke because I'd go by myself, which is stupid. I always spearfished in a circle because Tony the Tiger is real. Uh, and uh, But looking out there, it was just like, there's real monsters out here. Or if you ever yeah. are like on a a deep sea, like, yeah, what do you call those guided fishing trips? We did one. Charter. Charter. You jump. You jump in blue water and you look mm -hmm. down. Yeah. You're in outer space, dude. Yeah, yeah you must. Be. For real. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Land monsters yeah. are scary, but like, no. not the same. Not like, the same. We've tamed. Thing. We've tamed the land. Like, remember? I mean, I mean, not remember. Like you were there, but. I mean, if we look back in history, like medieval times, dark ages, like the woods were horrifying. Nobody would go into the woods because you get murked. You get destroyed out there. Anything would eat you. Everything would eat you. Everything would kill you. And anyone who could live out there is even scarier than the monsters right. that lived there. Now, we've got most of the bears. Wolves aren't really a huge issue. Like the huge predators aren't a huge, like, Dinosaurs, dragons, Missing all that kind of stuff one, too. Bro, right? Disagree. <laughs> well, Missouri's caves, though. That's the big thing. Yeah. Like Missouri's, like if you look at a map of Missouri uh, by cave density, and and you take and a map, abducted people or yeah, whatever. Take the map yeah. of missing people, disappearing, disappearing, and then put them over each other, they and they match real well. So Timmy out there fell in a cave somewhere, and he's down there somewhere. 
today. But I think that's most Missouri. Like, you're not going to get grizzly bear mauled <coughs> in Missouri. You might run into a bear, but honestly, if you get killed by a bear in Missouri, you are lucky. Yeah, that was your time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That was, that's, you know. You, someone like Montana, chose you. <laughs> Montana, you can go jogging and get destroyed, though. Like, that's the difference, because yeah. up there, it's just so much more wild. And Alaska. Like, when we were in Alaska, you, I mean, it's insane. You can't take your eyes off of a critter everywhere we looked especially maybe it was that time a year or two but like everywhere you look there's a critter moving you can see them all the time a big moose is crossing the road and you turn around and there's a huge caribou or whatever they are you know i don't know my big game that much but uh they're just everywhere there's bears and trash cans running around downtown los anchorage you know you've got like no separation from the wild and the civil in in alaska which is i mean other than Los Anchorage, but like once you leave city limits, it's pretty cool. But I feel yeah, that's I on my to do list. I haven't been. Yeah, I should go. Yet. It's pretty cool. I, uh, I don't, I could never live there because I hate the dark. And so I'm not really a winter person anyway. Even, even doing the wintering in Montana was not my idea. I didn't want to. But then, uh, I was actually, I was praying about it and the Lord was like, this is what, this is what we should do. And I was like, okay. You know, and so I took that leap, and I'm glad I did because it was pretty cool. I got to go ice fishing, saw Northern Lights, uh, got to go ice skating, and you know, some things you just can't do here. Next time I go, I'm gonna go snowboarding and skiing and try some of the rich people stuff, see if that's any fun. But uh, at the time, it was like just seeing it was really something. I've never seen a winter like that. We had like negative 48 degrees this year. We had uh, like four yeah. or five feet of snow at the cabin. And uh, when, then it, when it melted, it washed the sauna away. You know, like it just it grew, it grew up so much. So there's lots of things you just you've never seen it until you've seen it. And then you're like, oh, wow. I forgot how human I am. You know, you just can't compete with any natural force, you know. You, you're dead. The ocean kill you. Sky will kill you. I mean, oxygen kills you. Too much, too little. Water kills you. Too much, too little. You could trip on the airplane and die nowadays. So I feel like also like looking at your limits when you realize how human you are. I feel like that's another really important thing too. You're like, oh yeah, I'm in danger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> True. Forever. Yeah, perpetually. <laughs> I don't know. That's important though. You know, like you said something about like your would you call it your perspective or your view your like your my internal view internal view like your internal view is so important i believe like when you really think about what you are where you are it's it changes how you know like your world view changes when you realize it it's like schrodinger's worldview. when you realize it you change until you realize it it could be this it could be that but when you realize it when you measure it then it changes and it measurably changes you as a person and you have like when you realize that nothing, like I'm not actually touching anything, I can't physically touch anything. Because if you zoom in close enough, there's room between every atom. When you zoom in even closer, there's room between the things that make up an atom. So you're never really touching anything. Your brain is tricking you. You're never really seeing anything. Your brain is tricking you. And when you realize all these things that you're floating in a tiny bubble, and let's say your sailboat guy, he's floating in a tiny boat, a bubble, right? His world is this little bubble floating on the vast, open, deadly ocean filled with in uncountable, unknowable danger. And then on, on a planet hurtling through, you know, a solar system, spinning around a, a giant fusion reactor, whipping through space on the wing of a galaxy, 
that is only a smaller part of what we've even scratched the surface on knowing, you know, and then you realize like, oh shit, I'm that big. But then you go the other way too. And if you go all the way the other way, and you say, I'm bigger than this and bigger than that, I'm bigger than mice and I'm bigger than atoms. When you zoom it all the way in, the thing, the very smallest thing we can possibly see, or the very smallest thing that is theoretically possible is a plonk, right? The plonk length. And then the, the largest possible thing you could ever see or know is the universe itself. And right in the middle there, directly proportionally in size, is the human brain cell. We're the, we are the center of it after all you know and then even there's uh because the universe is ever expanding every point in the universe is the center of the universe every mm. point at the same time is the center because it's expanding so you are technically the center of the universe well, and that's the scientific theory behind internal sciences so they have this um so we have like external materialism science right and they've started to do this internal science and it's the idea that that existence that consciousness creates existence mm. right you know and that is and if you think about it that way if the if the material world was not possible without consciousness consciousness yeah. would have came first then everything had to have been thought into existence yeah right well spoken right yeah and that is yeah or spoken or spoken which brings back to the theory of sound and vibration yeah, sure. and creation that of shape sound, right yeah. boom and it all starts to become cyclical yeah. and so you know that it, that study of internal sciences is a really interesting way to look at the world and it gives you this other balance to that material science and an explanation and a connection to it but when you get to the the largest side of that and, and i'm not far enough down my research in in this particular field yet to to know exactly where it goes but you know is there would have had to have been of consciousness of some type first for there to have been released in my, the way my brain would understand it to have been a a, a vibration yeah right yeah. so something had to have spoke something into existence exactly yeah. but that would also and whoever mean, that is you know, right. I think it's God. Some people think it's this guy That's or that I said, guy. You, people put different names on it. Sure. Well, the idea, though, that consciousness is creation means that our consciousness is part of whatever that larger consciousness is. Yeah, absolutely. It has to be. I could it's, see that. It's 100 percent interconnected. Yeah. So we are a direct source of that. And but that would also mean that everything is all the trees, anything living, sure. anything that has that has any biological material to it at all would have to be part of that larger well, consciousness. Even like, yeah, and I don't know if it counts as biological material, but like even inorganic matter like rocks that incl included in that, you know? Yeah, I think that's a better way to say sure. it. It would be everything. Yeah. Right? All of it, right? Every speck of stardust sure. would have to have embodied anything of that Anything that could be put on the periodic table. Anything you could put on the periodic table would have to be a part of it or anything made up of any of those ingredients. Right. You know? Yeah, I don't know. And when you get down far enough into that science, is, you know, and that's field of science is what's studying like placebo research, right? That yeah. is where they're starting to get into this idea that the mind might be more capable than what we've understood. Sure. And that, well, it has to be. Yeah, yeah, and that material reality may actually be constructed slightly different. Right? I think everyone knows that. I think everyone inherently knows that. Kids know that. Sure. Uh, uh, you know, everyone That's why knows they it. pretend. It's just not provable. 
you can't prove it. Like I can't well, write you I'm a telling proof, you, a mathematical this, proof of it. This field of research, I, I'll I'll do some research on this a little bit better so that sure. I can present it on a podcast at a later time because he's actually somebody that I'm wanting to reach out to as a guest. Uh, it's a dean of a university that found it. It was a astronaut that was coming back, I think, from the Apollo 11 mission. Um, when he was re-entering orbit, he had this thought that, you know, we're spending all this time exploring the external world. And then something happened, and I don't know the story, but there was this shift of perspective where he said, now we need to explore the internal world. Yeah. Right? Why it's and the same thing we're doing with the ocean. Oh, it's the same thing we're doing with the ocean. Like, we're not, we've touched, what, a less than a percent nothing, of the ocean nothing. but everyone's like well we'll shoot into mars and i don't i love space exploration i think it's cool but also it's just at this point more possible it's more po- it's ironically more possible to do that than it is to explore the the rock we've been given you know because it's so difficult to get underneath there and it's a i think that speaks to the same problem too we have like myself included i have no problem traveling the entire country and all the states and going across the ocean stuff but when it comes to me digging in my own brain i struggle you know when it comes to really looking inward at things that i've been not dealing with and need to do better i'm like uh nope do another road trip about it you know and so i don't know if that well, dealing, wrap that up, yeah. <laughs> dealing with yourself is the is the hardest thing to do. Yeah. You know, changing your own self view or changing your own mind. Oh yeah. Or being open enough to consider something different. I don't think right? people can change. I do. I don't think people can change. I like uh or I don't know. And how, how to do say you this. mean that? I don't think a man has the capacity to change himself. A man can be changed, but a man cannot change himself. I think that. I think you can be changed by your environment. You can be changed by an event. You can be changed by a death or a birth. Like things that happen to you can change you. Relationships that you form. So, I, all right. So, vaguely, I guess you can change yourself by making better decisions, by getting uh, into good relationships that will encourage you and build you up and hold you accountable, and becoming a better man through making wiser career and investment decisions. Sure. So, like in that sense, yeah. But until you like, I don't know how to explain it. Until your mind is opened to that's how it works, which you don't have power to do, then you can't. You're like, it's like an enlightenment. And I think it only happens, I don't know, through guidance or a cataclysmic event of a personal cataclysmic event. I lost my grandpa. Uh, The divorce was terrible. I got hit by a car. I was born with MS. You know, you see these things, these in in, uh, impossible tragedies happen, like kids with cancer or you know, born with AIDS and you think like, Oh my God, you know, but these kids, they don't have a frame of reference. All they have is today. So they, their mind is open now. They, their clock is ticking. They realize that they get now that they know their death is inevitable. Like a lot of us, we never realize our death is inevitable. They live like death is inevitable. And so in that sense, I think I don't believe a man can change himself Minus, I think he can minus an external stimulus. Yeah, it's well, it's the law of thermodynamics. It's a law of thermodynamics. You can't just have infinite energy in a system. Energy has to be put into that system. A man doesn't have any more than he's given. 
other energy has to be added to him. And that could be explosive energy. It could be focused energy. It could be subtle, slow heat energy. So but this, it's got to be so this from is where something. I think I agree and disagree. People can endure the same stimulus, mm-hmm. whatever num- whatever those things you just discussed. Sure. However, comma, that stimulus on two different people, how they choose to process that energy, absorb or repel, good or bad, is on the individual and their ability to process and what they do with it. So, for instance... I know people who are double amputees. I know people who've suffered terribly from war. I I know people just from the stimulus of loss, exposure to violence, whatever. Mm -hmm. They have internally collapsed and continue to be a victim of experience or allow themselves to be a victim of experience. Conversely, I know people who've taken that adversity as an anvil and sharpened themselves and lived productive, sure. giving lives ex- on the exterior. So, and it's a internal shift. And I have to believe at some point it's on that person in the internal battle well, the where res- they are doing the, it. Well, what's the word? Responsibility is always on them. It is their responsibility th- always. Right. And that's what I'm saying. I think but I still don't think can. they have the... I, I think, think it's, I can I can yeah. I can kind of see I, what you're trying to say. I here. can I think, too, and that's why I said I can agree, but also sure. like, well, I'm gonna have to hold on. I'm gonna have to relate it to jujitsu, right? Yeah. So I always say jujitsu is one of the most spiritual experiences that you can take. Well, one of the most individually spiritual journeys that you can take that you can't do without by yourself a partner. Right? Yeah, yeah. Right. I have to have that external stimulus. I have to have that external. Uh, force force or Energies. adversity yeah, or energy. opponent, whatever you want to call it. I have to have that external textile thing in front of me to be able to experience the spiritual journey. I have that energy is being put into me so I can make the, tr- the choices that I need to make yeah. to continue doing, to progress, to get better, to get beat and sulk for a week and say, I don't want to do jujitsu anymore or however it is. But I, I can't do that. I can lift weights and do these things, but I can't take that spiritual journey exactly, yeah. until I have the team. I have a you person. Do. You I need have the a stimulus. Th- I'm just saying where yeah. I, that's why where we agree. Well, you need external stimulus, but the processing and, uh, but you saying you're not going to make those decisions without that external. Well, here, right. But I'm I saying look, what you do with I, it. I is think on. I can wrap this one up pretty, pretty streamlined. I think what, what, Mike is alluding to, which is a true fact, right? That any thought derived by any human is the is the result of an external stimulus that was given to the human for processing data, right? right. Yeah, sure. that is a scientific fact. Yeah. Okay, that I'm not going to argue with. However, it also highlights the importance of the data that you're putting in your life, yeah. right? Because that is going to directly determine the decisions you make and the type of right. things that you right. do. Now. I would like to add to that because I think that we cover that topic pretty thoroughly. Why are connections important? Why are we all here together? How, yeah. you know, iron sharpens iron, right? Yeah, that's, right. The, that's the premise. We talk about that a lot. But I will say introspection. So, you know, through meditation, there's different types of meditation that you can do. And, and I've done multiple different types over the years. And one of my favorite meditation methods is lately has been uh, – 
internal meditation. The idea of this, when you go into the meditation, you go into it with the idea of not focusing, not thinking, not trying to get rid of thought, but to do less. And then when you think you've done too less, do even more. And then do less. And then keep doing less. And you sink further and further and further down into yourself until eventually you get to almost this dreamlike state. You're, you're in the same level of consciousness that you are when you're dreaming. And in that space, I'm free of external stimuli. And I'm in a space to where I'm truly dealing with myself. And I use that to find my, my like internal place of perspective. That's where that person's developed. Mm -hmm. And then the person that I develop at that level, that deep core level, he's the person that comes out and then uses that data, then makes my decisions and sure. then helps interact with my life, right? Yeah. Determines my energy. But I do think that people need to find their way inside, deep inside. For sure. And get into that space so that they can go, who am I? Well, it's confrontation mm -hmm. of who you are, good or bad. Right. So uh, let me think how I say this. <clears throat> On the topic we were just talking about, you said, you know, like the same thing, the same energy, the same stimuli was applied to two different subjects, we'll call them, and both subjects produced different results. One person made lemonade, so to speak. Sure. Right? And yeah. the other person broke. They never got over it. They became a victim for life, all that kind of stuff. Sure. So is there a thing, uh, let me think how to say this, um, is there, can every man be broken? Can every man's spirit be broken? Yes. And so, at, I mean, at some point, I believe something could happen to me that I could never mentally recover from. I don't want to know what that is. I hope I never see that. But if too much happens too fast, it is possible. Then you get that guy walking backwards down the side of the highway, you know, and like something just never, he too much stimuli at once, whatever, it broke him. So if it's possible that a man can break, a spirit can break, and there's no thing, like then I feel like there was never a thing I don't want to say, again, it's your responsibility to make the right decision, but there's something else there. There's something else there. It's, it's you know, in, in Christianity, it's the opening of your eyes, right? It's the Lord has opened your eyes. You're born again. You become new. And it's enlightenment in other religions, and it's uh, nirvana to some, yeah. you know, but it's, these, it's, this, it's a state that I believe you have to, I don't know how to get there without external stimuli. So I don't think man is capable of getting to that place, enlightenment, nirvana, uh, born again, whatever. A man's not capable of getting there through his own power and anything. So, But in the second his eyes are... So he's not responsible. He's an NPC, more or less. You see him all the time at Walmart. You see him all the time all over the world. Then, they, how, do you uh, uh, then how do you square that with... If you're... If you're if man is given choice mm -hmm. and presented with an option for salvation, if you're going on a religious bent, yeah. right? Because that's what sure. we're discussing. Yeah, this is a more religious appeal. Right, which is why I'm saying, so again, presented with the same stimulus, mm -hmm. at some point, you're responsible for the choices of your own salvation. Not, not the choices for your own salvation. You're of opening yourself up to allow that salvation. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, like... Because that's basically what I'm talking about. Like, two sure. different people, same stimulus. Now, obviously, other external, external formulative experience. Yeah, before that. Craft who you are. Yeah. They do, it just mm-hmm. is. Different people have different upbringings. However, again, I've seen people who had absolutely abysmal, terrible upbringings rise up and create very productive healthy amazing lives yeah and they would have the same at some point in adulthood the same similar experience as people who had great amazing beginning places in their lives they suffered a similar trauma and it went the other way so at some point that's why i said i can agree with what you're saying but at some point i think you have to internally find the place of driving forward or sure. I'm not explaining it right necessarily. No, I, I'm getting where you're going. The, uh, you out of here? Yeah. It was great to meet you, man. Nice to meet you too, awesome. bud. We're losing the professor. Yeah. I got to go. All the jujitsu wisdom leaves. I actually got to roll out in a few minutes. I said my jujitsu part. <laughs> Peace out. Peace. <clears throat> yeah. I can, uh, I can see where you're coming from. And I think like, uh, again, I am a Christian coming from a Christian perspective christian worldview it says that no man uh how does it say it it says all men fall short of the glory of god yeah no no but uh, this particularly it says that no man comes to the father except i reveal myself to him so at some point it's it's kind of up to him i will say at some point it's up to him it's the same and I, I don't know where this goes. I'm not exactly sure where the lines are and all this stuff. I do believe you have to take personal responsibility or you will be held responsible for every action you make, right? right. But That's I, my point. when you're a baby, like well, there's, there's something not there there's yet. No right? There's no development. That's why there's the age of accountability. Sure, sure. But I feel like some people don't develop that third eye, we'll call it, until they're 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 years old. It's unfortunate, but I do think that's a thing. So... <clears throat> I want to share my secular view that's outside of this. I think that uh, in my interpretation of what you just explained from the Christian perspective is, for me, I think it's a spiritual awakening. It's when you get to the moment that you realize that you are a spiritual being, that your consciousness is connected to a larger consciousness, and that you you now have a responsibility as a consciousness in what you are doing. Yeah, exactly. And then I think that, yes, at some point, everyone has to come to that crossroads, and then you you have an awakening or you don't, right? And then that can be whatever religious view that you want to hold. Of course. And, you know, once you accept that point of view, then your responsibility is now, at least on my end, I realize, as a consciousness, as a Mm -hmm. what I believe to be, if you want to call it a divine consciousness, that I do manifest and create the world around me. So I am therefore responsible for that. Absolutely. And it has given me... And, and it's given me such a responsibility because we talked about the ripple effect earlier. Not only am I responsible for my world, but now I'm also f- responsible for what I'm manifesting and creating in other people's worlds. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Right? And so to me, it's like, you know, something as simple as this. Like, let's say uh, the captain came to me and he said, you know, I got this great idea. I got this great business idea and a blah, 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 blah. And he goes on and he's manifesting all this energy into it, right? That's his faith. That's his belief, right? And then let's say as soon as he leaves and I turn around and I say, hey, you know, man, I, that is never going to work. Now what happened is because I'm a divine consciousness and I manifest things and I can speak things into existence. Yeah. I just fucked his manifest. 
Yeah. Right? I'm responsible for that. Well, you definitely so provide counter energy. It, yeah, it provided yeah. counter energy, right? Now, I yeah. put something against him that should have never been there, sure. right? And so, because I think this way, because that's my quote-unquote spiritual beliefs, sure. then that makes me ultimately responsible for everything that I say, everything that I do, everything that I think. Yeah, it should absolutely. be. Because and, that, and that's enlightened thought, yeah, right? That right. Is, that is the enlightenment is exactly. when you realize and that. that's And that's important, but the point I'm making, I guess, is, I'm gonna get more high. is this, which I sort of said already, but again, somebody raised from a small child in terrible circumstances, tons of adversity, tons of that bad energy coming at them, but even in that little pocket right yeah they're able to make lemonade make danny lemonade DeVito. yeah they, they got danny devitoed right but they uh, made lemonade right yeah, exactly and well, they, they do the that anyway it's at some point uh and you're right like hitting that enlightenment what like whatever that is but yeah again, it's different it, for everybody at some point because uh, people will tend to perpetuate things, but I can't believe there's not an internal voice, conscious, whatever, always providing them with the opportunity. Maybe it's yeah. taking them longer to latch onto it. Sure. That's what sure. I'm saying. Yeah, I yeah. think you can do it, and at some point, it has to be a choice to drive forward on the path to enlightenment. I could see that. I see where you're coming from. That's what I'm saying. I do see where you're That's coming from. That's why I said from. I agree, yeah. but just I imagine, like, uh, I mean, and you see this a lot. Like, I, I see this a lot. My eyes have been open to this a lot recently. I'm 34 now, and I meet other 34-year-olds, and they're so much, quote-unquote, farther than me, right? They're farther than me. They have more things. They're edu they're more educated. And, and again, I'm, I'm saying these all between finger quotes for relative. for relative, right? So they're farther than me. They have a house, right? Or they have this. They have that. They have kids. They run their own business, whatever you want to call it. And, again, it's... Kids are overrated. Yeah. They're the worst. Always like... <laughs> Feed me uh, or got whatever. One, got one coming October 17th. I, dis <laughs> I disagree. Mine's pretty awesome. No, I, I, they're cool. <laughs> I but yeah. They're cool, but that is what it is. But I'm saying like you have, uh, let me think where, we're, where I was going with that. I lost my train of thought. Sorry, I do that. It's okay. It I'm high. But. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Good show though. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I do see where you're coming from though. I do. So we. Oh. I want to go visit you in Montana at your buddy's place. Sure. I'd like to get up there. Yeah. Because we're all into that. Sure. So we'll it'll be in the winter. I'm only up there in the winter. Fuck it. We'll roll through there and... We'll be stuck there if we we'll go there we'll in the shoot. winter. We'll shoot. Get there will be no getting out. We'll yeah. shoot live there. We just got to figure all out how winter? to, draw, how to yeah. draw some tags. I'm going to airdrop Sarge into the fucking Montana winters. Wouldn't be the happen. first time I've jumped into shit. I think you got to buy... Uh, you have to buy out-of-state tickets, which is the real problem because it's, it's so no, expensive. I'm going to mooch the veteran card. There's always a way for us. I mean, maybe, yeah. I don't There's know much about that. Never been in that world, yeah. <laughs> the VA. I'm going to go and become a Montana resident in this November and so I can do all that stuff. Actually, Plus, lifetime awesome. plates on vehicles. I actually had a buddy who... Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. Also, yeah. Montana's the worst. Don't go there. Yeah, it's terrible. If you're listening, don't go there. It's terrible. It's so <laughs> bad. Don't go there. It's the worst. Stay away. I had that. I had this sticker on the Forerunner for a while. It said, uh, "Moab sucks." Tell your friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah get the fuck out. Yeah. All these places get so popular. Yeah, it's a shame, but it happens. It's can't stop time, you know. Well, I'll tell you what, dude. This has been a great show. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've enjoyed Appreciate it for this sure. conversation. Yeah, the pleasure is all mine. And and like I was saying before, you have been one of the most inspirational people in my life, and it looks like you are well on your way to continuing that path. 
and yeah, uh, working on you it. know we're gonna have to have you back and we're gonna have to definitely do some travels now that we're sure. reconnected for sure we're gonna stay in contact this time for sure right yeah. we'll lasso your ass somehow yeah right yeah and then uh maybe we'll help you get that uh youtube thing started i think that that's think sounded, about it i'll think that about sounds it. like a really sure. interesting You're thing it's really, really busy like i don't have uh also i don't have internet or power well, so I can't uh, edit or, you know, no, like you once you record maybe, it maybe you download it whenever you're near Yeah, town. maybe the Stone yeah. Age can help you out a little bit with yeah, that. We'll I think see, that we we'll can, see. I think we got some it's, powers there. It's really just me not wanting to. That's right. <laughs> if well, I'm honest. We can help you with that too. <laughs> all right. All right we, we'll we all fight. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. All right. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to attempt not to fuck this up this time because I was too high last time and now I'm a little higher than I was the last time. So, we're at the end of the episode. If you're still hanging around, do me a favor. Go ahead and click subscribe. Hit that notification bell so that you don't miss future shows. We're going to be dropping shows every week. They're going to drop Saturdays at midnight. So, make sure that you look out for that. Now, we're going to go ahead and thank our sponsors. A big thank you to Malevolent Art Studios out of Barnhart, Missouri. That is our man, Anthony Ferguson, over there. And if you guys are looking for a tattoo, especially if it's your first tattoo experience, I highly recommend that you go over there and see Anthony over at Malevolent Art. His artists are extremely professional. They're going to work with you. They're going to be able to consult you through the process. They're going to show you examples of the art before they put it on your body. They're going to explain everything to you in great detail, and it will be a wonderful experience. So make sure to reach out at them. You can look in the description. You can find a link to their website. And if you mention the Stoned Apes podcast, you will get 20% off of any booked tattoo. Another thank you goes out to Elliot Gray. Growth. Elliot Growth owns E-Growth Productions. He does the audio video production work for the Stoned Apes. And he also does it for 10th Planet. Uh, if you guys look into the description, you can go down to the Instagram page and see examples of his work and some of the stuff that he does. Uh, he is a great person that I recommend. He also helps with uh, SEO filings and things like that. So if you're looking for any promotion tools for your uh, business, make sure to reach out to him. Mention the Stoned Apes podcast and you'll get 10% off of any booked service. Elliot also owns Gateway Tattoo Studio out of Arnold, Missouri, and he is a appointment-only tattoo artist. So if you guys are looking for a custom piece with an appointment-only artist, make sure that you reach out to him. He specializes in black, gray, and realism. So reach out to him. you got a link down in the description. If you go down there, mention the Stone Dates podcast, and you will get $50 off any half-day booked appointment. Again, thank you guys for hanging out thus far. I don't think I fucked that one up too bad, but check us out on Instagram. Make sure you give us a like. Also, check out the 10th Planet page. We're posting and sharing a lot of uh, co-content. You're going to be seeing a lot of things we're doing, trips, workouts, Check for the studio updates. Check for the Willie's Project. All good things coming. Guys, thank you again for this episode. The Stoned Apes are out.